the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. We are live um, at several different places, actually. This is Jamal Bright from AV Nation doing a uh, special collaboration week, AV in the AM um, uh, group, I guess, the best way to put this. Uh, let's go around the horn oh, first and oh. foremost. Um, first and foremost is, uh, I guess, David Danto and, um, and Chris Netto uh, from Varex in New Jersey. Welcome, gentlemen. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Also with us is Bowser's Baldog uh, from Varex, uh, from uh, Parts Unknown. How are you, sir? I'm doing just spectacular. How are you today, Tim? Good. And where are you physically? <clears throat> physically, I'm in Westford, Massachusetts, in my home office. All right. That actually uh, brings in the, the, the first question of today. Uh, and we'll get to, to Chris here in a second. Um, what we're going to do today is, and we did this last year a little bit, where ahead of Collaboration Week, which is something that the UMCCA uh, Dan, Mr. Danto and, and a bunch of other folks are, are get together. Uh, this is the third time you're doing it, second time in New York, David. Um, so you guys will spend a few days in New York talking about collaboration, talking about uh, everything remote and huddle space and things of that, that nature. You get folks together, you're honoring two really great uh, collaboration folks, um, Randy Klein from uh, Crestron, as well as uh, uh, Mr. Zoom himself, uh, Eric Wan. Uh, so what we'll do today is we'll kind of preview that week, but also do it, you bring uh, AV and the AM live to you folks. So, Mr. Neto, what is the first question of the day? Man, you, you just as I'm putting out a tweet, I'm midstream right now, and I'm trying to get into the whole thing. Harry, All right. uh, first question is, uh, for many years, remote working or uh, working from home has been discouraged by firms. Uh, the tide seems to be turning, especially with the latest pandemic. Uh, obviously, uh, what's going on in, in, in China with uh, coronavirus. Um, does your firm encourage remote working? What tools are you equipped with? And how important is the ability to be mobile? And now mobile, in the sense of this question, is not mobile cell phone, but how important is it to be portable? You know, you can set up shop anywhere. That's where we were going with that question. Okay. All right, that's very good. So, um Bellis, that you are remote. We talked about that in a second ago. Um, so how do folks really, um, first, the first question that Chris asked, first, obviously your firm is fine with you working remote because you're at your home office. How does that impact both from a positive standpoint, but also a negative standpoint, your day-to-day -day work, your day-to-day -day operations? Sure, sure. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, I would say that it's highly positive. Um, so for one, um, we're here in Boston. So our office is actually in Wilmington, which, you know, it's on the outskirts of Boston, you're about 15, maybe 20 minutes outside of Boston. But still, the obvious, um, and the main advantage is going to be the commute, you know, so every day by every day that I'm able to work from home, I'm probably saving three hours or so, or at the very least about two hours not being stuck in traffic. And that's a fairly light commute too. So some of my peers that are in downtown Boston, you're literally sitting for four hours a day in traffic. So obviously it's a complete waste of time. It, wear, it wears on you. You know, um, I mean, that's that's a ton of time out of your day that you could be spending far more productively working or just being with the family. 
Um, and I find that for me, um, I'm, I'm just able to get a lot more done. Um, so I can start, you know, working on the dot at uh, whether it be eight o'clock, 7 a.m. It really doesn't matter because I'm at home. So one of the things you get from working from home is that you're basically always on call. You find there's no typical workday. It's not a nine to five and eight to five. You're kind of working from the point you're up to almost the point you go to bed. The dynamic completely changes with working from home, though. So, David, something you, you've done for quite a few years, you work for Poly now, but before that, uh, in, in your consulting job, you worked from home from quite a bit. Uh, and if anybody's ever seen any podcast that David's done from his house, you've seen, seen uh, David's history in the background because of, of all the, the, the tech that you have surrounding you. But now that you work for a California company, so before you were in New York and there, you could have been expected to be in the office, right? But now you work for a company that's in Silicon Valley. Well, how has that changed and that dynamic changed for you? It, it's actually really very interesting. I, I agree with what you guys have said. It's also the idea when you're, when you're working remotely 100% of the time, you, it's difficult to understand when you're working and when you're not. And honestly, if, any, if people are not experiencing this, it's what's going to be coming forward. It's what we will all be living in the next five or 10 years in that when, when you go to work at home, you have to have a place to go to. I have my desk, which happens to be in my basement, and people know I'm working just as if I was in the office. But I'm on my mobile phone all the time. I have my computer you know, around the house when I'm not at my office. So when I'm not at my desk, I'll answer messages. I'll be there for colleagues. I'll do things I'm at my desk. I'm focused. It's interesting because I have colleagues in Europe. We have, we have listeners and viewers today in, in, in Europe right now. So, you know, when, when I get up early, I need to communicate with them. I'm up New York time early in the morning, 6, 7 in the morning, and I'm working. And then at around 11, 12 o'clock my time, my colleagues start coming in in the office in California. And then, you know, when I'm ready to go up and start having dinner or cooking dinner for the family, they're still, you know, got three, four hours in the day and there are things going on. So you get into the situation where, and it's, it's actually, it sounds like it's a burden, but it's not. It's a very um, empowering um, I work when I have work to do. I'm there for my, my colleagues because I want my colleagues there for me, but I'm not punching a time clock. So if my son were to say, Dad, can you take me shopping today? I need something for school. Or, or if you know, I wanted to see a matinee and I don't have any appointments and I don't have any meetings, I know what work I have to get done. I know what responsibilities I have. And my company lets me manage that and they gauge my performance and my results but not my clock. And it's very empowering. Um, yes, there's a greater burden because we're kind of always on, but there's also with that greater responsibility comes a greater freedom mm. that I can, you know, be a human being. And, and really that is the way it should be. Nobody should be looking at you after you with a whip, punching a clock, making sure you're at your desk, making sure you're doing anything. Cause that's what's make, what makes a disgruntled worker. And, and what we found with a lot of surveys um, and research done around this is, is, you know, certainly Gen Z and millennials, but even, you know, us boomers and everyone else, when you give them that kind of freedom, they're happier, they're more productive, not less productive, um, and they feel, you know, better about working, even better than if you gave them more money. So, and, and for the companies, you know, the, the organizations don't have to buy facilities with chairs and desks. They don't have to spend through the electricity. They don't have to spend for the internet, you know, the HVAC, all the other costs get reduced because you only need the office when you need the office. Um, it really is a win, win, win. And we're finally, 
at the point where the stigma is going away. Look, yes, there have been tremendous supply chain issues with uh, with the coronavirus and the pandemic that's going on right now. Some companies have been finding it difficult to travel, but but major industries have not shut down. We've all been productive, even though we're not traveling. And that really shows you the resiliency of the remote worker. A lot of people with this latest pandemic are coming around important it is. I'm, I'm going to pull an audible here because I know he's in the in the room there, um, but he's the only one besides me uh, who hires and fires people. Uh, so Mr. <laughs> Mr. Tom Barry is 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 technically he's our host at least there in New Jersey for the day. Uh, Tom Dan, Danto mentioned something there, and that that is the the absence of a time clock um, and the absence of punching a clock, but making sure that the work gets done. I I, I have a, a number of of employees. Only one of them physically works here in, in the Aviation Studios with me. He's our, our, our audio and video editor. His name's Mitchell. Um, if you ever see a little guy that kind of looks like a Pokemon uh, with frizzy <laughs> hair, that's Mitchell. Um, but uh, he he works right right next to me in, in our offices. Everybody else, you know, uh, is is remote for us. And, and David's right. I, I don't. I've never really had a, a big idea of a punch clock for you, regardless of whether it's your folks in in, in Boston. LA or, or the stuff folks you have overseas in, in Florida, how do you, how do you make that transition from, let's say your dad, right? Who was, you know, an old school, you know, make sure nine to five gets done to this new generation and the generation beyond you and me and, and, and us, us older folks, just make sure that, that the work gets done and, and these folks can be humans as, as David said. Well, th- that, it was a fantastic analogy bringing my father up because my father was the king of the time clock, and uh, we did have time clocks in the lunchroom in our offices right up until about the mid-80s, early 90s. And, uh, but the reality is, whether we're a global organization, um, you've got to find talented people all over the world. And I'm not a big fan of letting people spend more time in their car commuting to and from work rather than being at work or being at home with their families. And um, we can measure productivity in so many different ways for customer satisfaction, efficiency, whatever it may be. So we know who's working and who's not working. You just go about it a different way. It's just not as manual as it was, but um, still just as productive. If not, like Balaj said, you're even more productive by giving back that time that you would normally be sitting in your own car or an Uber. So is it, is it, are the, are the measurements different then? I mean, obviously with a time clock, you could say, you know what, you were 15 minutes late or you, you missed this day, this day and this day are, are the KPIs, right? The, the, the performance measurements different on a quarterly or annually basis for those folks. Well, um, no, no, they are not. I think the big thing is, is that there are just more, salary employees okay. than there are hourly employees. Years ago, uh, everybody was an hourly employee, the shop or the, or the field technicians. And But the reality is, is only the shop fabricators are really in the building. So unless you have a virtual time clock, uh, you want your technicians out on the road rather than sitting around in their office doing their timesheets. Yeah, absolutely. And remember uh, the benefits yeah. cascade, Tim. It's 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 if you don't have a whole bunch of people sitting around for the next job, you don't need a place to have a whole bunch of people sitting around. So now you can have a smaller office footprint, which saves. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and, you know, the, the on and on and on about the benefits. If you have somebody, you know, if, if you get a call, when I commuted to Manhattan, if I got a call that one of my kids was sick, okay, you know what that's like. Now I've got to figure out when is the next train. So it's going to be like an hour, an hour, 15, hour and 20 minutes before I even get there. I have to get them out of school. You know, hopefully they're not too, I can put them in bed and, you know, give them some, some Tylenol or whatever. And, 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 but, you know, I'm done. The day is done. I'm not commuting back to Manhattan. If I'm working from home and the school's 10 minutes away, I go, I pick them up, I take care of them, I put them in bed, I go back to work. Um, you know, it's, 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 there's so many, tons and tons of carbon emissions, good for the environment, uh, there, there are lots of reasons why it's just so much better. And honestly, last I checked, and Tom could chime in. I keep now, now that you brought him in, now it's an open target. But Sorry. the cost of real estate Sorry, in New York is not getting cheaper. Cost of real estate in LA is not cheap, right? Uh, God knows the, the 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 crazy amounts of money that people pay for space in and around the San Francisco area, which is the most expensive real estate in the country. Right. If you can have that smaller footprint, you're, you're going to win by saving right off the bat. If you want to talk about savings, right, if, if the hourly employee not working for, you know, that 15, 20 minutes or whatever that thing is, if, if you're if you're if, if you're micromanaging like that, remote work is going to be tough for you. Exactly. But if you if you can trust the employees that you got, and you got some people that are that are well versed and skilled in how to manage that sort of stuff, you're going to succeed and you're going to be putting money in your pocket on a kind of, by not spending it. So that's my two cents. Is that correct? I think that's a, that's a very good point is you've got to have a trust. There's a trust factor. We have the best, if we're going to sit here and say we have the best in the industry, part of the best in the industry is being mature and being driven to get your job done as part of the bigger team. We're in the communications business. And for many years, when I joined the industry in 98 out of college, uh, I went to go work for a company that was selling video conferencing equipment. Very new, very interesting to me. I got hired based on the fact that I knew what a BNC cable was. So let's just put this in perspective. I had a college degree, knew what a BNC cable was. I was hired on the spot for identifying the cable that was sitting on the table on purpose. Uh, it, from there, it turned into a wonderful partnership. Uh, learned a lot of different things. But I remember going into my first like week of training and listening to a sales guy talk about video conferencing and how it was going to, and there was a whole big presentation that he had put together, the savings, the cost savings on travel. Let's fast forward 20, you know, 20 something years later, that presentation is still being shown. The, the conversation for video conferencing should have moved past the, the, the travel Right. Uh, unfortunately, I got to also experience in in the 2000s when, you know, obviously 9-11 happened. I never saw such a, a, a all of a sudden a curiosity for what video conferencing can add to a company. Uh, that curiosity spiked. And I think that helped solidify what video was doing. And right there in that 2000, 2001 period is where that change was happening, where it was going from overly expensive PRIs and ISDNs from back in the day to an IP-based service and where we are today. So our tools, and I think the number one thing that allows us to be remote employees, we're all talking on the commercial side because that's where we live, that's where right. we breathe. But actually the big motivator for the remote service has been two things. Mobile has improved to allow you to do certain things on the road and allow you to have the fast internet and our, our own in-house um, uh, our own oh, broadband. yeah the broadband at home has allowed us to be able to do that i spend i spend 90 percent of my day on zoom calls all day right and if it's not zoom 
calls, it is on chat and it's back and forth and I'm 100% remote. I will what? say one thing in comment to that very briefly is that I never, never, never supported the idea that video conferencing would stop travel. Now, if you, if I need to be in Amsterdam for ISC, I'm going to Amsterdam. You know, if you guys are, are traveling, you know, to, to, to Texas next week or later this week, you, you got to be, you got to visit a client site. You got to visit a client site. It never replaces travel. All right. It replaces Except commuting. All right. What about, what about if I got to go to Hong Kong or I got to go to China? <laughs> well, I've worked on Hong Kong projects where instead of going there to interview vendors, I interviewed the vendors over video, but I still needed to be there for the closeout. So it never prevents travel, but it does prevent unnecessary travel. It prevents me having to go to the office and back 10 times a week. You know, and all those carbon emissions, you know, 52 weeks a year. And so so it, it's, it's a slight... Slight different change, but you know that was that's always been a kind of a pet peeve of mine. Well, there, there's a, there's a couple of things we we got here. We we have two more folks. We're going to jump in here, and then and Balas, we'll go back to you. Um, Leonard Suskin jumped in and, and just sh shot us a note and says, "quote unquote I love you all, but collaboration and flexible schedules conflict with each other. It's hard to real time collaborate with someone absent work hours. In other words, outside of of." nine to five and, and the problem with that is even here in the states especially nine to five is relative right you all uh, at least the three of you michelle and i are michelle lorette will bring her in a second michelle and i are in the real time zone you all are in the eastern time zone uh, <laughs> central uh but then we have two others here in the states right so what is nine to five um you know david we mentioned this before you work for a california company you already said you you get up at 6 a.m eastern for some of your your european folks but what happens when 9 a.m or 10 a.m. hits in California, and you're already halfway through your day. And that's exactly the point. The point is we now all have these mobiles. We can choose to respond on them or not. Uh, you know, uh, uh, yesterday, because all the collaboration week presentations were due a week ago, of course, I was sitting at my desk screaming at people to give them to me yesterday on Saturday. Uh, and, and one of the presentations that, uh, that Sam Kennedy, who hopefully will be joining us later, is doing, I realized, hey, there'd be a really cool video that I can include in that presentation to show what's going on, but I didn't have it. Tried to download it off YouTube, it couldn't, it was licensed. So what do I do? I grab my company's chat platform, in this case, it's Microsoft Teams, and I go to the guy who does the demos and says, can you get me this video? That was a Saturday. He didn't have to answer me, but he did. He didn't give me the video yet, but but he didn't. He, did, he answered me and we communicated on Saturday. Now, if he didn't answer me, am I angry with him because he wasn't there for me? Of course not, I know it's Saturday, but I was able to reach him my colleagues are able to reach me off hours because honestly, it's, it's, it's hubris to think that my off hours is the same as my colleague in London or my colleague in Asia's off hours. There are no more off hours. We're all here together. If I decide to take a vacation and be on a ship, all right, I'm off the, the, the grid. But if I'm not off the grid, we can communicate with each other just as easily as I can text my kids and choose to put in the time or not. That's can, our choice. Can I add a disclaimer? This is technically off hours. So I just want to put that out there. What is For who? <laughs> okay, everybody who's participating in this chat today, here's your question. Are you working? Is yes. this work? And if the answer is yes, then we've all got a completely different definition of what work is. It isn't nine to five, five days a week. And, oh. and, the, and the benefits is that, you know, on a Wednesday, I'm going to be in Manhattan seeing a matinee because I bought, you know, tickets at the, at the two for booth. Because I can, because I didn't have to work that day if I'm lucky enough. And that's the way life is going. Absolutely. 
Michelle, I want to bring you in here, Michelle Lorette. Um, she has worked yeah. a number of companies uh, remotely, obviously. Uh, she's in Texas. So talk for a second about your experience um, working remotely versus, you know, working um, in, a, in a nine to five or an office environment. Oh, you know, it's interesting because I've, um, I've met a lot of people, right? And when you go to ISC and you participate, so, you know, I'm working on some stuff with uh, Essam, who's down in Australia. And that always creates some very interesting dynamics because he's, I don't even know how, I, you know, at least I knew Amsterdam was seven hours ahead. I have no, Australia, 12, 13 hours. Uh, so us trying to coordinate conference calls and uh, introducing people, potential clients to him because he's a consultant um, that can actually handle uh, Middle East and Asia as well uh, because he's multilingual. Uh, you know, I like being remote. Um, I do find that as a remote worker, video definitely seems to drive the connection. I mean, you can't have a call without great audio, but uh, the video helps because sometimes we'll hop onto team calls and some people don't like to use their cameras, but it makes a huge difference. Um, and you do this as well when you podcast, right? It's I've had people not want to turn on their camera and I'm like, well, I can't do an interview if I can't see you because that adds another level to what they're saying, having all those visual clues. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Chris has turned this into a 24 seven endeavor with AV and AM. I know, I know, <laughs> but I, I love it. it. It's a real sense of community. And I think if you're doing what you love, uh, then kind of all bets are off. I, I went on vacation, not last year, but the year before to Mexico and I was still on Twitter and I was still on Facebook and I just couldn't stop. People were like, go away, go enjoy the beach. And I'm like, I am, but I'm also still engaged. I'm still part of this. So uh, yeah, definitely creates a, a different cycle. Also bring up this idea uh, when you're traveling on vacation of being off the grid and people will absolutely say, and this is a very polarizing in a polarizing world, it's a very polarizing <laughs> thought. Some people will say, when I'm on vacation, I am on vacation. Off the grid, I shut the phone off. I'm there in the moment doing what I need to do. And I respect people's need to do that. That would kill me because when I'm traveling with my wife or with my family, the idea in the back of my mind that there are 3,000 messages, some of which may be <laughs> urgent, that are going to hit me the second I get back would completely destroy the vacation for me. So I glance at my phone. And, you know, the ones that I have to follow up at some point, I flag. The ones that I don't have to follow up, I delete. Um, and, and the ones that are urgent, I get on the phone and I answer them in real time. So I know when I get back to my desk in a week, I don't have this anvil that's going to dump on my head. Yeah. But again, that's my choice because I'm trusted to make that choice. Ballas, I want to bring you in on this, uh, another roundabout, um, Leonard, listening in and, 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 you know, also responding. Uh, he's buying groceries, though, while he's he's doing this, which I, I find fascinating. Um, he says it sounds a little dystopian. The, the idea that home time never ends is nice, but work never ends is horrifying. He says as he engages in an industry conversation while buying groceries. That was Leonard's comment, not not mine. So, Ballas, <laughs> does do you feel like work never ends? Is that is that the dystopian reality that that Mr. Suskin's bringing in? It's it's purely up to you in your day. So it's a matter of putting down that phone when it comes time to take it easy. And that's uh, that becomes very difficult for all of us constantly being connected to our devices. So it is up to you when you're ready to disconnect, to put the phone down and to actually get away from work and to re-energize and to get back to it, you know, um, uh, when, when you have energized again. Um, it can be difficult to kind of shut down, though. It can be, especially... 
um, you know, like the case of the vacation, that's that's a really tough one, too, because I understand the need to keep up, you know, and that fear, which is very real of coming back to work maybe a week later, God forbid, two weeks later, you know, and then just that massive pile of emails that will inevitably waiting for you. You know, that's that that's enough to get rid of that whole vacation vibe. So I understand the need to kind of constantly check. So I kind of do what you guys are doing and, uh, you know, check on it, make sure you're keeping up with the important stuff. Uh, and then put it back down. But a vacation, I do feel, should be a vacation. You know, you do want to re-energize. So I, I, I do find that uh, the electronics at some point do have to go. But it's a, it's a very interesting question, you know. Um, and I, I, I can't say I've ever been engaged in some sort of a trade show or anything like that whilst buying groceries or an important meeting. It's not to say it won't happen, but, you know, I mean, it's uh, that's the nice thing about it. You can uh, do uh, things as you kind of as, as you have to. So you can take a meeting you, if it's a very important grocery for some reason. You have to have this grocery. You can go out and you can do that, but you can stay working at the same time. So it's uh, I don't know if that was a proper answer to that question. I feel like I'm kind of going back around. No, no, but, no, you're um, but yeah, it's. I'll add one thing to what you're saying, and, yeah. and this is my friend Leonard. Um, if if working for your boss and with your colleagues continuously is painful to you, and he knows as well as we all do, then you're working for the wrong people. You know, we're in an environment right now where where the people that I work with are friends for the most part, and 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 they're colleagues, and they've got my back and I've got theirs. And, you know, you get to a certain, obviously, everybody is not in this position. And when you have to work and feed your family, you feed your family. But when we have the opportunity to look for careers and places to work, that should be what you're going for, to work for people that see you as a human um, and, and respect you as a person um, and tell you, go take some time off. You know, at, at Poly, you know, we, we don't have vacation days anymore. We have flex time, um, which essentially means if you have, uh, if your work's done and you want to go somewhere, go. You know, I don't have 10 days a year or 20 days a year or 30 days a year. You just go when you go and you come when you come. And, and that's, you know, again, all workplaces with collaboration tools, with better management, with globalization, they're all becoming just better places to be moving into the future and embracing this technology to be more productive. And the companies that aren't doing it, the ones that are keeping you at your desk, making you work nine to five and not allowing you to be remote, those are the ones that are going to be dinosaurs and disappear, I guarantee it. And those are the ones that are going to lose employees. And, and you're right, David, they'll eventually disintegrate because they, they can't keep good people. So, all so, right, guys. Flip it on you. Shut it off because I know yeah. that's what you're about to do. I know your habits. <laughs> I know your patterns. We've been hanging out for far too long to know each other's nuances. So I'm going to flip this around to maybe to you and to Michelle. I'm going to give uh, David a break on this one. Um, yeah, both of you went to ISE. Both of you went to cover ISE, which you went to work ISE. So that's why I'm giving you a break on this. But something like an ISE, you know, the 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 travel period of you guys getting there almost is what to me was almost as interesting as the show itself. <laughs> and and I mean, you had pandemics, you storms of the century. You had missed flights, you had cancellations, you had guys in tunnels, you had guys over tunnels. You had guys on the side of the road with a thumb up uh, from our friends over in uh, over at AB Technology Magazine looking for a ride from London, I need to get to, to Amsterdam. Uh, none of that would have been possible if you guys didn't enjoy what you did and did what you did. 
by explaining to us what the challenges were. Because from us, from me, a person who was home, I did not go, you know, watching the dedication of some people to find a way to get there was, uh, I mean, it, it's a credit to our industry for one, for the people that are in it. And you must truly love what you're doing if you're going to face some really bad, you know, circumstances to get there. But to watch that and watch it unfold, where and you could tell when people had internet, you know, and when they didn't, because it would disappear for an hour. Then an hour later, it's come like, still here. This sucks. Beer's cold though. I'm okay. That's all I got. But that whole point is that you're you're moving and you're 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 telling us where you're going. And ultimately, the end goal is that you're reaching a technology show that is super important to the rest of the world for us to know what's going on. But the fact that you were putting you know that much effort into it to me was. You know, it, was, it, it makes AV and the people that are in AV a lot richer of a story. And you guys as media do things differently uh, than, say, a manufacturer or an integrator that is on, you know, that, that's on a flight just to go be an attendee. What are your I'll thoughts? Let, I'll, I'll let Michelle do that, say that or, or comment because I didn't have any troubles going or coming. So uh, it was interesting. Well, uh, you know, I think it goes to the adage. Uh, it's about the, the journey, not the destination, right? Because we all get very focused on getting there, or in my case, trying to get home, um, planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, but yeah, no, it definitely adds another level. Well, and it's funny because um, some people from Shure uh, got rerouted, and they ended up being on my flight uh, from Philadelphia to Amsterdam. Um, and so as I was, you know, getting all like, you know, uh, boarding the plane and getting in and I, I hear Peter Hur go, is that Michelle? And I'm like, oh, my God, like I got so excited just because they were going to be part of the destination, uh, you know, once we got there and, and part of the journey. Um, but now I, I, I do think there's a lot to be said for that. Did uh, Ballas, did you have any issues getting there? You, you're, you're muted, Ballas. Oh, goodness. Uh uh, I did not go, so I had zero issues. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah it worked out really well for me. It worked out really well. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, we're going yeah, to wrap it up. Uh, we're, we were shooting for, for 15, 20 minutes. We've hit 30, which is not unusual for this group. Uh, so uh, real quickly before we, we get out of here, I'm going to let Mr. Danto uh, talk about a couple things as I throw up the graphics, and um, we're going to talk about the U UC week first. Uh, and then we'll uh, end with this new uh, super secret, not so secret, super secret anymore um, party that we're doing, uh, that we're not, we're doing, but that, that's going on ahead of Infocom. Uh, and you're going to talk about when we're coming back on? Yes. Live. Yeah. Well, he will. I won't. All right. I so uh, a collaboration week is, a, is an effort of the IMCCA, which is short for Interactive Multimedia and Collaborative Communications Alliance. This is the third show we did, as you said, Tim. This is the second uh, annual time doing it in New York. We have some awesome speakers. Um, we're going to be at, um, at BlackRock tomorrow morning. Uh, we're then moving over to Poly tomorrow afternoon. Uh, uh, Google on Tuesday. Uh, Gateway, which is uh, the Swedish American Chamber of Commerce. Uh, both of those on Tuesday. Tuesday night, we're having a wonderful gala dinner where we're giving uh, industry uh, uh, honors, lifetime achievement awards, and industry impact awards to uh, Crestron's Randy Klein and Zoom's Eric Wan. Um, and then uh, on uh, Wednesday, we're going to be at Planar, uh, both uh, the morning and afternoon sessions of Planar. Thank you, Lainey. And then uh, Wednesday evening is the closing cocktail reception that Immersive is paying for. The topics are going to be 
you know, what's going on state of the industry, what's going on state of interoperability, uh, the concept of modernizing endpoints and the new endpoint that's more like your mobile phone than traditional video endpoint. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, the wars and the battles that are going on today between some of the bigger players in collaboration. <clears throat> we have Erwin Lazar from Emerdy's Research um, and, and a bunch of other experts that are going to be able to speak with us. Uh, we're going to be talking about the new workplace. Um, Mark Peterson from Shen Wilson Wilkie is going to give that presentation. Uh, the new worker, you know, the concept is Gen Z really something we have to change and be different about. Um, uh, then... Michael Goldman's going to lead us in a conversation around Teams and what's going on with you know, Team Chat and the workflow. Um, it's great. We love these events because they're win-win-win. They're free for end users. Um, we get to visit a whole bunch of places within the city, um, and they're very inexpensive for sponsors. And if you pop the other slide off, back up just for one second to yep. take a look at, the, at the, the names of some of the tremendous sponsors that I've paid not a lot of money, um, but really supported us so that we could do this show for everybody else. Really terrific companies. Um, the one thing I'll say, which I've said online and I'm not embarrassed, on, please, please, please do business with these companies. And thank you for investing in this event. So yeah, education. And if you're doing business with a collaboration company, not on this, go feel free to ask them why they're not paying for agnostic industry education because they should be. Um, the least expensive sponsorship for this event is 500 bucks. The most expensive is six grand, and there's lots in between. So it's not like anybody could have or should have said no. It's great that these companies all to get, get together to try and give agnostic information. And thanks to our friends at Sound and Communications Magazine, we're recording these sessions, and they'll have them up on their website for the folks that couldn't go. We'll send you those links when we have can you uh, say uh, thank you to uh, Mr. Barry and for Barracks for hosting us? Absolutely. Uh, it is Sunday. It is very early. Uh, Tom is finally getting through his coffee and caffeine is finally hitting. So thank you, Tom. What better way to have a Sunday than to hang out with Mr. Barry? Jersey! In Jersey. So, <laughs> I don't get bagels this way. Sponsoring the host site for us here and to do an unofficial kickoff because uh, David will be doing an official kickoff tomorrow morning in uh, New York City. Yeah, and I'll be uh, giving a lot more information about the party that we were talking about in the next hour. I don't want to take too much time, but just keep in mind if you're traveling to, uh, I mean, you can leave it up, if you're traveling to Vegas for what I'm told is a big industry conference at some point in June, you might want to make sure that you're there by Monday. Plus, um, the community of people that are watching us, that are online, that are participating, you know, um, we're all going to get together and uh, have a celebration of us. Um, with uh, a bunch of sponsors doing that, more sponsors adding. There's the URL, but we'll give it again later and talk about it. So make sure you're in Vegas on the Monday before, which is the name of the party. B yep. Before. All right, guys. Uh, so here's what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to uh, put up basically color bars because David and I are old broadcasters. Um, <laughs> and um, we'll be back in about 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put it up. Uh, this will continue live though. This, this stream will, I'm not going to stop the stream just because I'm afraid that I'd break it. If honestly, if, <laughs> if I, um, if I, if I so, um, but it'll stay up live. We'll mute, um, everybody, uh, we'll be chatting in the background and then at the top of the hour, every hour. So I don't, I say that because I don't care what time zone you're in at the top of each hour, we will come back, uh, and with, uh, possibly a new set of, of guests. So thank you all so much. Uh, continue the conversation on Twitter uh, on as a uh, hashtag AV in the AM, and we will see you all in about 25 minutes. Thanks so much. All right, guys, here we go. Hour number two of AV in the AM. 
uh, live from various parts uh, around the horn. Uh, what we're doing is is uh, this is kicking off a collaboration week in New York. Um, second time for New York, third time overall. Uh, the IMCCA, David Danto, and the folks over there, uh, getting folks together, getting uh, industry professionals together to talk about collaboration uh, in various forms. Last year at this time, uh, I was actually in New Jersey as we did this for the first time. Uh, ben has uh, his notification still up, so that's fantastic. How are you, Ben? Good morning. Good morning. Ben is from Barracks. We also have Michelle Lorette, uh, who has stuck around with us. So how are you, Michelle? I'm good. Good. Uh, also, an old friend of, of at least mine. I'm not sure how many people on the call know him. Mr. Maldo, the best hair in the AV industry. How are you, sir? Good. Great to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. And uh, if we can figure out how to restart their video. Um, yeah, that one's on you, pal. I know. I know. Actually, it says ask to start video, so I'm not quite sure how to. Oh, okay. Yes, you have asked it, so now I can click it. There we go. And Mr. David Dento and Chris Netto and somewhere in the background talking because he can't stop is Tom Berry, our host in New Jersey. How are you, gentlemen? Okay, so I have to give a quick promotional commercial, just changing hats just for one second. We are using the awesome Poly Studio in front of this room, and, and, and it's in its new tracking mode. So it, it, it automatically, I mean, I feel like an idiot having gone to a video production school and gotten a degree in production because this thing does it built in automatically. If Chris talks, it goes to him. If I talk, and when none of us are talking, and Tom Berry, who's, who's graciously given us the Varex facility to do this in New Jersey today, is sitting all the way in the corner of the back of the room when nobody's talking, it opens the shot up full blind because it sees there's somebody back there. Um, so it's it's really terrific. And, uh, so and, uh, so test that theory out. Have you talk and then Neto talk and then if I start out. talking, me and you know the, the camera will switch over to me. This is right. incredible. I mean, I, we we don't have nobody behind there. It's or I can be walking and talking in the back of the row because I'm have a cold. Yeah, Tom, Tom has been banned to that side of the room. Not allowed to come around. So I, should, I so I shouldn't call on, on him again. Is what you're saying. And I, and I haven't done the um, the up the, the the latest update for the firmware on this device, but in theory, when I do, if two of us start really going at it for a really long time, it automatically does a split screen, which is actually really awesome. <laughs> Give it a couple minutes; you'll see that soon. That that is that is kind of neat, though. And and we will point out the fact that that is one camera. As so, as you're watching the video, that is one camera. Not that it's a commercial for Poly or Poly Studio, but that is kind of slick. All right, uh, so here's what we're doing. We're, we're going to uh, start each hour with one of Mr. Neto's uh, five AV and the AM questions. So last hour, we talked about remote workers. This hour, Mr. Neto, what is the question of the hour? Of course, you always cut to me when I'm up. I just stepped over there to go get a... I can do it if you like that. Yeah, yeah please. You had 30 minutes to go do whatever you needed to so do. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to read the, the question as it was put through, but I, I'm going to read the topic is the idea that, you know, collaboration when I started in the business was VTEL and PictureTel um, and maybe Polycom and then Tannenberg went in over there. And you always had to pick one of these platforms to be communicating on. And now, oh, my God. Um, you know, we're on Zoom today. Zoom has taken over the industry by storm. It's amazing. There's Cisco. There's, uh, there's. I don't want to leave anybody out. I don't want to leave anybody in. Blue Jeans go to uh, eight well, by... David, I, I was told at one point there's over 250 soft codecs to start there, right? So you're not going to name everybody. So, yeah. So the, the idea is, are companies nowadays still picking a provider? Um, like, we're a Microsoft shop, which is great. Or we're a Cisco shop, which is great. Or 
are, is that even a reality? I mean, I do video calls all day and I'm on like seven different platforms a day and they all have to work. I can't um, wait to battle you on this conversation. Battle? I, yes. Well, let's, <laughs> let's let some of our other experts jump in. Yeah. Yes, yes. I'm, I, got a, I, I got my boxing gloves for this one. Go ahead. Who wants? I think he's just thinking about the polycom, the poly split screen that he wants to test out here when he battles. <laughs> and he didn't update the program. Well, obviously. So now I haven't updated it. I don't know if it's going to do it. The gauntlet has now been laid down on the ground. So now we got to kind of, we got to practice. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I won't interrupt. Well, hey, David. I'm I'll jump in. Um, you know, I think the big thing is now we can have this discussion. Now it is a choice because when I got in this industry, it wasn't a choice because if you wanted your calls to work, you, you had to have the same system on both ends. Uh, when I was doing test calls at Wayne House, we would have standards-based system. They're both H.264, maybe it was H.263 in that day. And they're both, no, we're both using standards. It's, we're doing everything right. And you make a call between the two of them and you can't share a screen in one direction or the audio isn't synced in the other direction. And you call company A and you say, it's the other guys, we're using standards. You call company B, they say it's the other guys using standards. So we would recommend, we'd say best, best of breed is what we call using the tools you want to use. We said, that's a dream for the future someday. You gotta have one neck to choke, which is an ugly expression, but that's the one we used. And it was, it was the only way to do it. So just the fact that we're having this discussion now is a huge difference. All right, Ben, jump in here this because though. you and I had, you, you were part of, of a webinar that we did here at AV Nation uh, a number of months ago talking about UC and collaboration. So is, is you know, Mr. Maldo, right? We, we, we have gotten away from that whole one. And I do, I also hate the, the phrase, David, one throat to choke, but, but where it, it's, you know, you use what's, what you have, right? The old adage of the best camera a photographer has is the one that's in their, in their hand. And we have certainly become more ubiquitous in the sense that, I can call company XYZ today and company XYZ tomorrow with completely different platforms and really expect it to work. I receive an invite to my calendar and I click the button and I may or may not have installed the app or used the platform in the past, but it works. Mm -hmm. And it automatically finds on my own personal devices, it automatically finds my microphones and my cameras. And in the conference room, we generally can call cross platforms and it's not always the simplest but there is more and more like on a monthly basis almost in terms of what i can do in the built-in simplicity of calling from platform one to platform two and vice versa without really having to work worry about whether it will work um just a couple of weeks ago was the first time i was ever invited to a client conversation where they wanted to talk about what platform might they want to use? It was a company that was headquartered in Japan, but the US-based folks say that they have done a bunch of research and used different things over the years, but now they want to reevaluate. And I've found from the AV integration side, I've rarely had the opportunity to be part of that conversation. They usually have chosen something and then said, go make this work in all of our rooms and, and figure it out. But they actually wanted to talk to us about why you'd want to do a soft conferencing system as opposed to maybe a hard codec that's you know, primarily at the moment talking about Cisco in that case, um, and, and the pluses and minuses of both. And it was kind of fun to take that step back with them and help them think through how to make a decision. So Michelle, um, if you've been around the industry for, I'm gonna say 10 years or more, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, you've seen this, this evolution because the kind of the last system that we put in when I was a tech manager, before I made the jump completely over to Aviation, 
uh, we put in a, a, a brand of video conferencing. I'm not going to punk out anybody here. Um, but in the process of that, we um, did our due diligence, got quotes. Most expensive quote was $50,000. The least expensive quote was $10,000 for a video conferencing system. This is late 2000s, right? Um, and to get it to connect to other people, uh, other uh, facilities, and this was a research facility, so they had to connect with, with other potential others. It was another $3,000 add-on to do some, some cross-platform collaboration. Now, as Ben says, and, and David both, we just expect that. How do you, as a, as a professional, as an AV professional, evolve with the industry and, and evolve with, with how we're talking to clients about, you know what, yes, 15, 20 years ago, um, you needed a $20,000, $30,000 system. Now, uh, we can get uh, you know, a $100 headset from, from David's company um, and, uh, and, and jump on a call. Well, it was interesting because before I was actually in Pro-AV, I worked with a voiceover IP company and they were developing their own soft codec. I didn't know that's what it was called at the time because this was circa 2009. Um, and so when I would call on clients and they thought I was going to call on small and medium sized businesses, but I really only knew enterprise. So I would call on these enterprise IT directors and they would show me these quotes for you know $70,000 and I was like, why is this so expensive? Um, and then fast forward, I went to work for an integrator and I was, uh, I mean, I was very much not an industry person. I was just learning, it was 2011 and here I am now quoting $30,000 hardware-based codecs and I still kind of didn't understand why. Um, I do find there more people are leveraging cloud. I do think there's an expectation that it's gonna work. There are some people that I maybe had some biases against um, that I've been on video calls with them in you know 2020, and I'm like, oh, wow, blue jeans really is kind of good. Who knew? I, I never sold blue jeans. Uh, maybe I had some bias I didn't realize against them because I, I wasn't familiar with them, uh, but it was still a good experience. Um, I'm just curious, you know, I love Zoom. Zoom's easy to use. It, it works the majority of the time. I would say it has the most uptime and, and real-time um, success of, of any platform that I've had the, the pleasure of doing a call on. I just wonder if everybody's already on Microsoft and they're already going to Teams, do you need another platform if they're going to make Teams work? Which I know that's maybe a complicated conversation because I have customers that were telling me like, oh, this hardware-based codec that you sold me uh, that we paid for the Skype for Business license isn't working with Japan. And then, you know, the integrator, 32 hours of troubleshooting later, it was because Japan, they were just not using a commercial version. They were just using regular Skype, which as we all know, is not the same platform and does not natively have its own interoperability, um, even though they wanted to use the same name. Rest in peace, Microsoft Link. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a different world. It's a different world. It's exactly a topic that, that's gonna come up for, um, for the conversation. I had a couple of the presentations during collaboration week this week, um, specifically the idea that if I, if I, you know, my Teams is a great product. Teams video is really good. It's very high quality. But can I really say um, that I'm going to be a hundred percent Teams house in my 10,000 or 5,000 or 300 person organization and never get a, a link to join a WebEx meeting? or never get a link to join a Zoom meeting. Now, Absolutely you know, you take that in a couple of different areas. 
um, Zoom and Cisco and Microsoft have said they are going to support interoperability on their platforms, which is great. It's a terrific thing. But, you know, I'm in my, oh, my God, I hate to even admit this. I and mean, we were talking here before we started. I'm the old guy here. Um, I'm, do, I'm doing this for more than four decades. The, the platform providers in collaboration every once in a while get together and sing Kumbaya because it helps their marketing efforts. And maybe they'll make an effort toward it and maybe they won't. And maybe it'll last for a year and maybe it won't. Um, and, and I don't want to pre-predict anything, although that announcement that they are going to work together isn't working yet. You know, it's not rolled out yet, but it's an announcement. Um, I think we're in a position where, from an industry standpoint, this is going to be something presented not by me, but by one of the other presenters. Sam Kennedy is going to talk about it. You know, this is, if I'm holding it up, this is probably the future model of our industry. It's got a single speaker, a single microphone, a single screen, um, and the, the, when you, oh boy, that's a nice picture. Um, and, and, and when I want to do a native teams call, I do the native teams call, um, using the native teams app on this device. And when I want to do a native WebEx call or a native zoom call or a native blue jeans call, I use the native app on this device. So I think that room systems are going to go in one of two ways to support that. They're either going to go with IT-centric organizations that are going to put general purpose compute in the room and use a USB peripheral, which is what we're doing right now to make a Zoom call. And if I have to do a Teams call, I'll do the Teams call. If I have to do a WebEx call, I'll do the WebEx call. Or they're going to say, I don't want to support, I'm not an IT-centric organization. I'm, I'm a, an appliance AV facility-centric organization. I don't want to support general purpose compute in my rooms for all the reasons it's not a good idea. I want to put appliances in my room. So sell me an appliance that works like this device. So I can run the app that Microsoft produces or the app that Zoom produces that they then update, that they keep current, and it's just running this. That's the direction I think a lot of the industry is going to go in. We're uh, um, uh, the, the, the device that sits in the room is no longer going to be a half million dollars or $100,000 or $70,000 or $20,000. You know, the pricing is now between $1,500 and $2,500 today for one of these all-in devices. And even if you think you can do cheaper than that with a general purpose compute, you add in whatever touch panel you need, you add in whatever camera peripherals, then you have to run the wiring everywhere. It's probably on par with the DIY system. You know, the costs are plummeting and, and it gives the ability for everybody to be on any system, any call, whatever they want. And the best part of it is that the lock-in used to be if you were a, um, a, a Polycom house and you wanted to become a Tanberg house, or if you were a Microsoft house and you wanted to be a Cisco house, that's forklift, rip and replace every room, every system doing, you know, that's gone now. Now with these, you know, again, think of the model of the phone. If you're a, if you're, if you're a Microsoft house on Friday and you want to become a Zoom house on Monday, you don't have to throw the gear out anymore. And that's going to be completely changing to our industry. And, and you know, costs are going to plummet. And as you see, a lot of the integration companies are you know, consolidating because costs are plummeting. So it's, it's the direction the whole industry is going in. Can I, can I, uh, real, real quickly before you get there, I want to get sure. Tony in here. Uh, Tony's uh, one of the, our, our, um, uh, viewers here. Uh, we're going to have him bring in and, and say his, uh, what his, uh, his comment is. Tony. Hey guys. Uh, you got me on audio, not video or. There we go. Quest, it's okay. There I am. Oh, why is my video not playing? One second. 
Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Tim. You win for best backdrop. I hope. Yeah, that's I, it. I, I wanted <laughs> to make a virtual one. one is it? I, I think virtual backgrounds are neat, but if you're gonna have a home office, make it you know real world. Um, but good morning, everybody. Appreciate the uh, invite. Um, I forgot. Well, so David, you know, you've known me for a while, and I love when the whole topic of interop gets involved. You, you and I have cut our teeth in some really ugly places. So, yeah, I, I totally respect it. Well, and to give background for those who don't know me, I started my career working in the Interop Lab for a company called PictureTel, if you wow. remember back that far. And then I went over to Tamburg and helped Interop there. And it just seems that, uh, I don't know if Interop's that big. Of, it, the fact we've gotten to the point that we need third-party companies to do Interop, I think, is a huge failing in the industry. Um, not just in video anymore, now in things like chat. Why is it that I now can't make all my chat programs talk to each other anymore? Um, but it's definitely an interesting topic of discussion. Uh, so I forgot what, what I was supposed to ask the question about. It took me so long to get free. He said, if I wanted to join, I said, wait a minute, let me make myself presentable first. And then I forgot what the heck we were your, talking your, about. Your comment was, I love that we did the whole PC-based soft conference room the last two years. And now all of my clients are back telling me they want dedicated appliances again. It's true. Um, you know, is me that? and Dave, I know we had a conversation with Cy where I went, you remember back in the days when we used to tell people, why would you put a PC on a wall? You know, the security issues there. It was a big thing for two years. I could tell you that this week alone, I worked with a client to launch three uh, POCs. I won't say exactly what platform, but they wanted uh, dedicated hardware for the rooms um, that might happen to come from Poly that are dedicated hardware for their solution. Uh, because they they just can't imagine having a device with a USB stick sitting on their network in an open conference room, not to mention Windows updates, security alerts, and everything else. Um, but yeah, I think my I'm now seeing clients are pushing back to, I want an appliance. And the reality is the appliances cost the same now as it used to to buy a good NUC, a good USB camera, a good microphone setup. Um, I mean, uh, what are you guys seeing? I mean, I came well, from the I, appliance I, I, from Hamburg. When you say they want a dedicated, dedicated to what? Dedicated to Teams? Dedicated to Zoom? Because that's the uh, thing about we don't have Zoom a, is a, a what I'm getting. I, I'll honestly say Zoom is what I'm getting the most push for right now for rooms. Uh, I've done Skype deployments with their dedicated hardware, but a lot of those clients are also going, well, wait a minute, that's just another PC on the wall. All right, Tony, I, I just want to interrupt you just for a second. I want to let everybody else talk, but I do want to be very clear because, you know, a lot of things get hung around my neck, you know, <laughs> I want that one to be. Um, there, there are people who will swear that general purpose compute in the room is absolutely better than an appliance. And, and, and I respect that. And, and we, we certainly have solutions for that. You know, that we're using one right now. It's terrific. And there are people who will swear, I don't want a PC in the room. I want it to be an appliance. And you know what? Those are religions and you never talk somebody out of their religion. And that's fine. But, but now you have companies that are, 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 are playing in that gray area. I only know this because I was recently in New York City for the uh, Barco's new ClickShare event where they're not putting where one one side of the, the the room typically has been screaming for PC, another one's been screaming for appliance, either or. Now the battle has been now pop. Basically, you got companies like Barco and Biamp actually in this same mix where they're saying, don't put anything in the room. Your PC is the center of your your laptop. What you bring is the meeting. And now in coming with these devices that are allowing you to, you know, the meeting is coming with you. Now, essentially, when I was working on the, the technology you know, as an end user, 
all we were doing for the most part as this change was happening from the, the big integrated spaces to uh, USB conferencing uh, before it was just right. a fancy label of cloud was that we were putting a USB extender, taking a, a webcam to a table, uh, maybe some, uh, you know, maybe an HDMI cable and, a, and, a, and some audio. That was it. And what you brought is what you brought. You could do whatever your laptop had to, you know, if you could just switch it. The problem with that was that it wasn't allowing, it wasn't for everybody. Not everybody knows to switch to webcam A or webcam B. So watching what these companies coming with these bring your own meeting ideas is very interesting because it's either plugging in a, a dongle in, 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 or, or a button in, in Barco's case, or in the uh, HTR sense, uh, HRT, I think it was the, the company that I yeah. yeah, they are doing something where it's you know an app where it's now taking whatever is your computer and kind of integrating it into that space. It's it's, it's one giving of, you a third flavor. It's, it, right, it is a third flavor, but it, it, it's a choice. I mean, I'm going to move in here and stand up a minute because hopefully I'll get a wider shot. If you can see right now the setup that we're using here, come on, zoom out. There you go. All right, not doing what I wanted to do. Um, if you look over here at, at the desktop that we're on, there are two computers sitting in front of me right now. Um, there's the computer that I'm functioning on. Um, which is this one here, which is where I'm answering people on Twitter and doing email and chatting with Tim and everything else. And then there's this computer here, which is actually running the conference network. And that becomes the problem in that model, because if I were to need to do my productive work, take notes, answer emails, do everything else, while running a conference on this machine, it'd fail. So the machine could handle it. I couldn't, because I'd be knocking down the screen and the rest of the people in the room wouldn't see it. So, so while that BYOD, BYOC model works for some people, um, other people fall into this trap, which is I need a machine that I can be productive on while I'm doing the conference. So again, do you want that to be a separate PC like we're running here, or do you just want that to be an appliance in front of the room and let everybody be sitting in front of their screens playing Battleship in the room, which is how we normally have meetings? So, you know, again, there is no right or wrong answer. There are a lot of options, as you point out, but, you know, there there's pros and cons with each option. So I also now want to bring up something along these lines, and, and Michelle and Dave and, and even Tim can, can jump in on this. Um, we're all talking about, you know, uh, oh, you know, the, the company is doing this. They're, you know, selecting Microsoft and, 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 and other uh, companies are going strictly to Zoom. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I think you're all wrong. I don't think it has nothing to do with the companies anymore. I think that the people that are now pushing and driving any type of, of collaboration are the actual end users. Uh, they forced iPhone into a space that was, and I've used this analogy a hundred times, iPhone was not supposed to be here. It is not supposed to be in Bold. our space. Bold. And it's here. Absolutely not. Absolutely disagree with you. No, you're wrong. Jo- you're wrong. That was you're Steve Jobs. No, that was Steve Jobs' 100% idea all the way. It was his way to get into the enterprise by getting into the hands of the CEO. Absolutely. The fact that the fact that he took the the iPad, which was the original iteration, just for the record, the <coughs> iPad was the original iteration. Then they shrunk it down and made a phone out of it. That was his original idea: was to get into enterprise. And how did he do that? He got it that that device, this device right here, in the hands of every CEO in America, and they told their IT department to say, "I want this on the network." Wow, you are such a conspiracy theorist today, this morning. <laughs> So, you know, it's funny, though. Ultimately, any of this stuff is irrelevant. It's going to be the end user. And, and, and right now, 
you can't You're making my point for me system. though. You're making my point. It is the end user. And who was the end user that brought the iPhone into the into the enterprise? It was the CEO, the CEO end user who could make that decision. Okay, now you're making points and I don't understand how you're making points, but we're agreeing and I don't want to be that guy who's agreeing <laughs> with you. But whether uh, or not the I, hardware I'm company stop let, right let now. Ben, let ben talk for a second. Ben, go ahead. Whether or not that hardware of your phone comes with you into the conference room, the experience is what you expect regardless yeah. of hardware. So I have all the apps that we were talking about on my phone. I, I open up my calendar. It already knows what app to use. I just click in my calendar and we want to provide that ex same experience in the conference room. And that's where we run into challenges as the rooms evolve from the simplest three or four person, we'll still call it a huddle space up to a multi-divisible space and then making it the same, same user experience in terms of the seamlessness uh is where we run into these challenges of cross platforms because it'd be it's pretty tough today for the room to know what is booked in this room what type of meeting is it am i going to make somebody hopefully at best case you know like walk up to a touch panel or something and then press a button and have the room join or i there's people who are doing it just have you walk into the room or at least they're talking about doing it and then the room joins the meeting already but what if it's the wrong person who walks in the room and then there's a lot of different challenges, but we want to make that ex seamless experience as, as well as we can. It's an example of how you're right. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, I hate to say it, but Chris is, well, no, I like to say when Chris is right. Um, the users are making the decisions now, not the bosses. It used to be the bosses said, we're getting a great deal with Cisco or Polycom at the time or Tamburg, and that's what everyone's going to use. And if you don't like it, you don't got to work here no more. I mean, this is the way it is. Now the users are making the decisions to the point where I was talking to someone who's the IT person, two companies was working for one company. It acquired, was acquired by another company. The users at one company used Google Hangouts. The users at the other company used Zoom. And he, as the IT boss said, okay, I'm deciding we're going to use one. And the user said, no, we who are using Google are going to continue to use Google and you're gonna make that happen. And we who are using Zoom are gonna to continue to use Zoom and we're gonna make that happen. And he says, I now have 500 conference rooms with two meeting systems in them because everyone wants dedicated systems. As Tony said before, I'm like, wait a minute, you're kidding me. This, this is software. You don't have one device in each room that can do Zoom. No, I have a Zoom room kit and I have a Google Hangouts kit in every single room because as Chris said, users came. And that's what they wanted. So, all right. Good. I, I want to bring Michelle in on, on this because I want to see from both. Uh, she's been a represent a rep as well as work with an integrator. What are you seeing when you talk with integrators about how they're attacking this and how they're they're you know advising their clients? You know, interestingly enough, most of the conversations that I have with the engineers, uh, they're they're being told. We're going to go with this platform, make it happen, right? You know, we're going to go with the Cisco room and this is, you know, come to us with your proposal on how you're going to roll out all these Cisco rooms, all these poly rooms. We're going, they're being told by the end user what the end user wants. And there's a little, they're not guiding the conversation. And in my initial entree into pro AV, we were the ones guiding those conversations um, saying, okay, well, here are your options. What do you like? You know, 
Do you like the Polycom? Would you prefer the Tamburg? This is the pluses and minuses of each. You know, do you require bridging, et cetera? You, you don't really, they're not seeing that, at least not in the Houston market. Um, it's being very much driven with the end user having already made up their mind. This is what we want, make it happen. Um, I am seeing a lot of people from a fixed hardware legacy-based perspective trying to decide if they want to migrate out Cisco or migrate out the other um, because they, they do have two fixed hardware asset-based uh, ecosystems and they're kind of tired of messing with that from a service level delivery standpoint. Um, and so in order to increase operational efficiencies, they feel like they need to go with one or the other. But um, then you have Zoom and everybody else coming in that are just kind of making it even more complicated because it's like, you might want to go with this, but you're still going to have to accommodate this. To add to what Ben was saying before and kind of what Michelle's saying as well, and actually possibly even adding fuel to the, to the user stuff, um, one of the beauties right now that we have that we kind of just let go by is that we have this, um, even five, maybe 10 years ago, it was such a pain struggle. If you were in a room and it was a, you know, brand X video call, even a, a web call, right? Um, and it, it couldn't, for some reason, it couldn't connect. You would then, it was a struggle, a process to get to another, all right, we're ditching brand X right now. We're going to hop over to this form of web conferencing, uh, uh, whatever that could be. I don't want to particular name names. It was a good 20, 30 minute gap of you trying to set up a meeting, put everything together. The beauty of the things that like Ben has been saying about, you know, clients walking into the room, if something doesn't work, you are quickly up and running within five minutes. If, if, if it takes you longer than five minutes, you're using the wrong system because you can quickly assign another meeting, bring the entire group over onto that call in less than five minutes. Well, that is what's making a bigger, I think a real big impact in pushing a uh, cloud into the traditional old school MCU mindset. I agree with you in general, but in specific, I've lived that situation and it's not honestly easy. We all jump on the 10 o'clock call and it doesn't work. Does it not work because it was a bad invitation or because it was the wrong link or because it was a bro, whatever the reason it doesn't work. Okay, so now you have 15 of us all trying to be on this 10 o'clock call and we all need to jump to another system. So what happens? Five people jump onto email or, or text messaging and say, use my bridge instead. So now there are five bridges that got sent out and nobody knows which one we're actually using. The bridges were so, speed bumps. Well, or, or this link. It was a bumpy you know, bridge, this man. This is... So, so the, the reality is what we're seeing, what, what you guys are seeing right now with Chris and I talking and, and the, the, the Poly Studio camera switching back and forth, what you're seeing is machine learning and AI. It's now smart enough not just to be able to take, know the right shot and track the speaker, but it's smart enough to know that when we're both talking, it needs to gradually zoom out and it needs to do other things. That's all machine learning. And what we're going to see with machine learning and AI, not to use too hackneyed a term, is it's going to solve these problems too. I don't exactly know how, but over the course of the next three or four or five years, this friction that there is in starting up a collaboration is going to go away because machine learning is going to know. As, as you guys pointed out, everything about the meeting is on my calendar. It knows what time it starts. It knows who's invited. It knows what platform we're using. It knows how to reach it. How do I walk into the room, 
it can't be creepy. It can't be face, face or voice or whatever. It's, it's got to be some type of opt-in. So maybe I swipe my phone in front of something. You know, a couple of guys are using the QR code now. And then the room says, gotcha, ready to go. Press the big red start button. How do we make that friction go away so that it doesn't matter if we're on Zoom or WebEx or BlueJeans or, or, or Microsoft Teams or anything else, that it simply reads it and does it? That's going to be, you're going to see that with AI and machine learning over the course of the next two, three, four years. It's going to radically change that. And it's going to be just as easy to do from a computer, you know, as a personal, as it is in the room, simply by saying opt in. And all of a sudden it reads your device. And now the room is yours. It knows your calendar. It knows what you need to do. And it just does it. That's where we're going. Well, since you're on a buzzword kind of thing right okay, now, sure. kind of, yeah, I just want to add that we are for the first time in Avian AM having a two screen experience because what I'm seeing online is people watching it like JP or JP. Jason Ward out in, uh, in, in England is watching this on TV and following along on chat. you got guys like Kevin Talbot who is uh, yelling at us on chat for some bizarre reason. So I encourage anybody who's watching, if you do want the participation, please uh, do uh, come on uh, and, and join us. Uh, Tim, take it away. That's it. I'm done. All righty. Uh, we're going to wrap this up, this half an hour up. Uh, we will be back at the top of the hour, regardless of what hour that is for you. Uh, Mr. Danto, though, is going to explain what they're doing in New York this week as I put up some pretty pictures. And then we will shortly discuss, I uh, mentioned the fact that we're um, there's a bunch of folks getting together for a party in Vegas. So, Mr. Danto. Absolutely. So I talked uh, in the last hour about um, what the venues were and who we were hosting and what we were doing. Let me spend a, a moment or two talking about the speaker's and the sponsors. So we're looking at, at just a sample of the speakers and we've had like six or seven people add, but you know, uh, Polly, Sam, Kennedy and Aaron, and Aaron, and, uh, and, and where we're giving uh, industry uh, lifetime achievement awards, industry impact awards, around Randy Klein and Eric Long, Zoom, um, you know, Erwin Lazar is joining us from, from the Murdies. Chris is even, Chris is taking over my panel tomorrow. And, uh, and, and he's going to be moderating some of the stuff. So we got a lot of great people. In the it's a hostile takeover. It is a hostile takeover, I know. So, and, and some terrific sponsors for this event. It's taking place over the next three days in New York. Um, if you flip to the other picture, I'll show you the um, what some of the topics are. I know we're starting tomorrow generally with the state of the industry. We're going to talk about metrics. Our team from Biopta is going to come up and talk about the value of metrics. Uh, we then move on to, um, uh, to the poly location, and Sam's going to be talking about you know, the future of endpoints and how we modernize them. Um, on, uh, on Tuesday, we have Anne talking about uh, the wars between the platforms and how they don't, and that's going to be one of our topics going forward, actually. I think that's our next hour's topic, or one of the names. Um, talking about, you know, well, do you like generic trade conferences where everybody's equal and agnostic, or do you prefer to go to Zoomtopia and Ignite? and uh, Cisco Alive, and, and what are these battle lines and the battle for mindshare? She's going into some of that. Um, then we have Erwin uh, and Greg talking about, you know, expertise and what they're going to, what, what, what we're dealing with. We have the awards on Tuesday night. And then on Wednesday, the last day, we're talking about the new workspace, the new worker, Gen Z, and what's going on with that. And then finally, Michael Goldman is leading us in a chat around the teams and the team conversations. We hope you'll join us in New York for if you can't join us in New York, uh, the team from uh, Sound and Communications are recording these sessions, and they'll be posting them and have them upline, so it's for everybody to take a look at. David, we miss you this year. We'd love you to be a presenter again next chance you get. 
but uh, we'll, uh, we added you to this today. I mean, David presented the teams last year. And then the other thing we were talking about is um, uh, with the help of Chris and Tim and uh, the IMCCA and our, our friends at AV Jam and a few other sponsors, we are bringing um, a wonderful party. We hear that a lot of people will be going to Vegas in June. And um, we want this community to get together and celebrate the fact that it is an independent, strong, vital, and healthy community. Um, uh, we're calling the party before because it's happening before anything else. Um, uh, Monday, um, June, help me guys, 15, um, in, uh, in Las Vegas at a terrific venue. Um, the URL is up there. We'll send it in the chat. We'll post it in the room as well. Um, it's, we're, we're asking everybody to register, I think, for some token fee of $20 or something like that. But uh, it's going to be a couple of hours of uh, drinks and dinner and uh, all the people in this wonderful grassroots AV community getting together and, uh, and enjoying and celebrating what we've done here with Chris's leadership on AV and the AM. And uh, we're looking for people to join us and looking for sponsors. And uh, uh, by all means, it'll be a great time for everybody. So thank you, Tim. And, uh, we'll keep Absolutely. talking. All righty. Uh, here's how this is going to work. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, thanks our, our guest here, if they would like to stick around, uh, we're going to take a break, uh, get some more coffee and uh, whatever, and uh, come back at the top of the hour. So in the next 25 minutes, uh, y'all are more, more than welcome to, to stick around and hang out, or you can jump back in if you'd like. Uh, we will be muting everybody, both audio and video, so nobody sees us. Uh, because David and I are all broadcasters, we're going to be putting up a... Uh, a, a uh, color bars, color bars. Huh? yeah, empty yeah. color bars. Yeah, simpty. spelling corrected. Simpty color. They bars. are spelled. It's spelled correctly now. Good lord, I did. I made it at five thirty this morning. I don't even think I had coffee yet when I made it. Um. So, uh, yeah, check that out. Uh, otherwise, we will be back. And uh, thank you all so much for joining us. You can go back to the twitters uh, and join that conversation uh, there. So, thank you all, and we'll be back at the top of the hour. Uh, we are back at the top of the hour, uh, various parts of the world, various parts of the country. Uh, I say world, world, world because Mr. Jason Ward is actually on this uh, is part. So we'll get folks around here. Uh, so let's introduce everybody and then we'll get Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, um, Neto to explain this hour's question and what we're doing. So what we're doing kind of uh, in, in collaboration uh, with the Collaboration Week, actually, and Mr. Danto and the folks at IMCCA. Third time they're doing this, second time in New York. This time last year, I was actually in New Jersey with the folks. So we decided to do something different, gather as many people as possible to collaborate, actually, uh, and, and do what we're talking about in New York. Um, so Mr. Danto, explain to folks exactly real briefly what you're doing in New York this week and what you're talking about. Yeah, thank you. The IMCCA and hi, everybody around the world. They look like they said smooth zoom in from the two shots to the one shot. Um, uh, the IMCCA, which is the Interactive Multimedia and Collaborative Communications Alliance, is hosting um, Collaboration Week New York 20 or 2020, however you want to put it. Um, we're in um, seven or eight, eight different venues having parties, discussions, conversations. Um, almost every one of the venues, other than the, uh, the dinner and the closing cocktail party, are actually full, so I'm not even promoting it anymore. Our good friends from Sonic Communication are going to be uh, recording the sessions, so those of you who can't make it to New York, um, they'll be posting what the sessions look like. It's just going to be an awesome time talking about the world of collaboration, team chat, video conferencing, uh, uh, lots of other wonderful topics. It's a pleasure for us to do this every year with some real awesome sponsors. We'll show you the list of names later, but... Uh, 
by all means, there's some folks that say, you know what, it's not enough that I can promote my, my equipment and my gear and my services. I want to spend a little bit of money, and it is a very little bit of money. It's not a lot to help promote agnostic education for the industry. And we really thank you. We want you to thank you by uh, buying your stuff and marketing them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go around the horn and then we'll get to Mr. Neto. Um, I'm just going to go by the people on my list here. So first and foremost, uh, or second and foremost, uh, from Barracks, uh, the host there in, in New Jersey. But Ben is not in New Jersey because we're collaborating. So Ben Dandola Grubb from Barracks. Welcome, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Also with us is Michelle Lorette from the Great Republic of Texas. How are you, ma'am? Howdy. All right. Also uh, from, well, the UK, I'm not quite sure of a snazzy way to say this, but Mr. Jason Ward from Involve. Welcome, sir. Jason has to, un there you go, Jason. Talk. Hey, how you doing? All right. Uh, Kev Talbot from Evolve does not like, like your, does not like Jason's shirt, shirt. I do. So there you go. Uh, also <laughs> with us is Tony Intribolo. How are you, sir? Uh, good attempt. Tony Bartolo with uh, 2020 Technology, uh, UCAS collaboration, consultants, value-added reseller. All right, very good. And if you want to jump in, um, the one nice thing about the Zoom uh, web, uh, the webinar interface, is I can throw anybody on here. That's how we got Tony on. Uh, so if you want to jump in just in the chat and you're in the web, the webinar portion, you're not looking on YouTube, you can watch YouTube and all that, that part. But if you want to jump in on the chat, uh, either go to David's or Neto's or, or the Aviation Twitter, find the link, jump in on the webinar, and you can we can throw you over here. So, Mr. Neto, what is the the question, I guess, number three now that we're on? Yeah, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in and take that one. Because uh, uh, we sort of did half of three with two and half of two with three. And we did, actually, yes. So so I'm, I'm, uh, we, were, we had a great chat in the last uh, segment about you know the proliferation of platforms and why it's just not a one platform world. I'd love to continue that conversation. Obviously we have Jason on with us now we get his opinion we get everybody else's as well. Um, but but the, the, the real nuanced part of the next question is the following. In the world of collaboration, when I was not as old as I am now, um, the, uh, the, the idea was I would pick Polycom or I would pick Tanburn or PictureTel or even Cisco when Cisco came out with Telepresence, which at this point was now, you know, 15 years ago and, and roughly. Um, and that would be my partner. And I'd get my services from them and I'd get my gear from them and I'd get everything from them and that was it. And the question really for us to discuss is, is that really still a good model? There are still some companies out there that are making the hardware and the engines, whether they're PC-based or, 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 uh, or clients-based, and the services, and they're saying, take all my stuff, I'm gonna be your sole partner. And then there's the other model, which is the mobile telephony model, which is, you know, we buy an iPhone or an Android phone over here, see, Chris's uh, Android phone, um, and then we decide who our carrier is, and we decide what services we want, where the hardware is not purchased from the provider. And really the question becomes, what do we think is going to be the model going forward for collaboration when it comes to desktop endpoints, room endpoints, um, various other systems, headsets? Do we want to buy everything from one company and our services from that company and have a permanent lock-in? Or are we looking to have the ability to buy whatever hardware we like based on its feature set and then go with whatever software provider we want on any given day? All right, let's start with Jason then, since he's the newbie, uh, the newest one of us, uh, and probably the most awake since he's in the UK and roughly 
seven hours, six hours away from me. Go ahead, JP. 3 p.m. here. Uh, I think David said it in the last session that um, David talked about an, an application-driven endpoint that if you can switch its application live based on the environment that you've got, you're winning, right? Then uh, I'm not the most awake, am I? Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll point out it's 3 p.m. where you are. <laughs> it's Sunday. Um, it is Sunday. You've been watching watching football again, haven't you? The rugby's on. Um, oh, the I'm, rugby's I'm on. skipping the rugby for this at the minute. Um, yeah, I think David sort of hit the nail on the head. I was halfway through writing it in a tweet when when David sort of talked about this agnostic endpoint that, that could take you into a Zoom call or, or take you into a Teams call or, or another device's call. But then beware of bring your own device because of that elegant bit David said about if your device is the thing you want to be multitasking, doing diaries and all the rest of it, you can't. We, we quite often have meetings where if we're in room, instead of using a projector, for example, we'll all just use the Teams application to share data, share notes and, and work on it as we go. That way, one guy doesn't get tied to the screen all day. Right. is changing on the presentation side. What is if I if I understand correctly, Jason, it's you have your video conference, but instead of you know doing the collaboration on a big screen in front of you, that collaboration is basically done all in one in your PC, right in front of you. Everything is now you're you're now sitting in a room with six people and you're all staring at a computer, <laughs> your own computers. Yeah, I mean, we, I walk around our office floor and it, it, sometimes you're banging your head over the wall for the amount of people that are all on the same call sat next to each other. And, and you're thinking, is that fear of the technology in the rooms or are you just too lazy? I haven't worked it out yet. I think it's a combination of both. And yeah. I people will go right to that conversation about integrated rooms and how overcomplicated AV has traditionally made rooms. By trying to simplify a touch panel, we've overcomplicated well, you know, that, 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 <laughs> there was actually somebody on Twitter before, I forget her name, I apologize, that said they'd never heard me speaking before, which is stunning, because I've seen people roll their eyes for decades. But, uh, but um, the, that's one of the things that I talk about all the time for years, and I'm talking about everybody on this call right now. For years, we built these systems for us. And, you know, it's, it's we're the guys that when there were VCRs, we knew how to make the clock stop flashing. We're, we're the people that, you know, if some Martian landed, you know, first time we ever saw it and brought in a computer we'd never seen, we'd consider ourselves failures if we didn't have a button that accommodated it in the room. And what we've learned from Kate, thank you, Jason. I apologize for not remembering your name, Kate. What, um, what, uh, what we've learned is that we're 5% of the users. The other 95% of the users don't want all these features and buttons and things. They just want it to work. Now, the rub is when they say, I just want it to work, that's 95% of them. When you ask them what work means, they'll give you 500 different answers. But, but in, in, the, in the 2000, 2005, in that era, if somebody came to the IT or the AV person and said, I would like to use X, and X was not a product that was in the um, uh, uh, enterprise at the time, the answer would be no, go away and use what we gave you. If you try to pull that now at a large or a small enterprise as the IT gatekeeper or the AV gatekeeper and said no, they'd say, okay, never mind, and take out their phone and do what they want to do anyway. 
So the whole dynamic has to change. You're right. People will say, this is too hard. I'm using FaceTime. This is too hard. Um, I'm using, you know, whatever I have on my device. Um, I'm using Skype. I'm using, uh, uh, um, I can't remember the name right now, but uh, the, the, the common applications. And they're not secure. And, and they're not enterprise grade. And in many cases, if you're in a regulated enterprise, they're not recorded. So we, as the, as the gatekeepers of this technology, need to change our script. It can no longer be no. It has to be, tell me what you want to use. What are you trying to accomplish? Let me show you the tools we have for that. And if those tools aren't working for you, let me make an adjustment. Let me modify them so that it will work for you. It's a completely different environment. The users have a louder voice. They should- this day and age than they did back then. Absolutely. Sales has changed their their mentality of how to sell. That's another thing. Whereas before it was, a, a needs analysis was in an empty room with nobody in there. Part of your needs analysis today that you do for any project has to be some investigation into what the room is going to actually be used or how it's going to be used. Because in the past, AV has just been a very general it could be anything. It can go anywhere. It can connect anything. That's why you saw a million and one panels on a wall that had a thousand different types of connectors because you never knew what was coming into the room. Right. We treated every room like a visiting auditorium space. And also, and that's have, what we did. We also have a Wrong. broken process in the industry. And, you know, I'm the first guy to admit it. I, I don't mind if people disagree with me because, you know, heck, I live for that. But, but you know, the process of the company hires the architect. The architect hires the AV consultant. The AV consultant hires the AV integrator. All of them together put in what they did on their last 200 jobs. Maybe some of the better ones actually make an attempt to to listen to the end users, but typically they put in what they were going to put in anyway. And then the end user, the person who's actually using the room, never had any input into what they're getting. And then they walk into the room once it's built and they say, what the heck is this? We don't need this. We need that. It's a broken process. We need to the architects and the consultants and everybody else to either change or just get out of the way. Because when you can put in a room, either with a do-it-yourself kit or with one of the new soundbars for 1500 bucks and attach it to a flat panel and be done, the integrators and the consultants are going to be out of business unless they learn to adapt in that environment, become the trusted partner when, when, when the answer is, you don't need all this craziness. Yes, keep it simple. But then when the answer is, look, you know, you're in a big room here and you need more mics and more integration. Um, we're going to tell you what the right thing to do is and do it. But I don't want to keep talking. I want, you know, uh, Ben, Tony, Tim, you guys. I'm fully on board with everything that David was just saying. But the part that I think is important to add is that sometimes it can be a major challenge to divine whether the person that you're talking to from that client has any interconnectivity with the actual end users so that we may be keeping that AV guy or that IT guy 100% happy but if he's never talked to someone or she's never talked to someone in that organization, we still fail. So we have to do our best to work through this process to try to make sure that we are going to solve the ultimate end users technology issues and communication needs. Well, you're talking about getting actually down to the, to the real end user, right? And as a former technology manager here, that was one of our biggest challenges is finding, you know, finding who the, who the real end user is, right? And, and that. Tony, I want to bring you in on this because something David hit on is the idea of good enough. Uh, and, and he mentioned that when he said, you know, well, I have Donna, Donna. He, he, he started it by saying, you know, oh, well, I, I don't know how this works. So I'm going to use FaceTime, right? Or I'm going to use something else. I'm going to use my phone. 
how do integrators in today's day and age with soft codecs and a couple, a number of different, you know, devices, and we can argue, we argued last hour about whether or not it's a computer, dedicated computer, appliance, all that jazz. But in today's day and age, when the CEO can bring out FaceTime and talk with somebody else, instead of going to the conference room or instead of, you know, opening up their, their whatever VC, how do we design for that? And how do we communicate to them that, you know, it is more secure and, and you do need to use this instead of, you know, whipping out the phone? It's actually interesting. I just posted this in the chat what we're seeing, you know, and it depends on who it came from. Did it come from the top down or did it come from the, the actual guys in the trenches, the guys who are dealing with the rooms and everything else? We've recently, well, in the last two years, we've had, you know, I know, I know it's a horrible term. We've had so many executives go, how do I get all this stuff to the cloud? How do I become a cloud-centric collaboration solution where I'm not hosting racks? And what I'm seeing is the platform is driving the device. And what I mean by they first figure out which platform we're going to use because it's not just video. Right now, the big push is I want my phones in the cloud. I want my chat in the cloud. I want, oh, yeah, video is nice, which kills me to say that. But the executives are like video necessarily is a priority. It's how do I get my phones in operations? And that drives us down to the rooms. And Dave's 100% right. It's the point now that room systems aren't like they were, you know, just five years ago where it's a huge capital expenditure and you have to budget for it. I've seen clients go, we're using this platform. Here's a ton of devices. Heck, go to Staples and buy it if you need to in some cases and stick it on a wall, which we know is never the best experience, but it's a quick way to deploy. So it, it's tough to say. And, it, and we all know the AV industry has been hurt a little bit by this because like i said you can go to staples and buy some of these devices and stick them on your laptop um it's really depending on who's driving the mission and it's never you know client we dealt with kind of going back to what we were talking about last hour we had a client uh that wanted to do a zoom uh poc and as soon as that client and it's an executive logged in and got his account he's like who are all these people in my company that are already in the directory i'm like these are people in your company that are already using it and you don't even know, yeah. right? It's that stealth IT and we see it all over the places, but that goes back to let them drive. If you see half your company is using this platform, maybe you should go look at that platform. Yeah, absolutely. Michelle, we, when he's, what he's talking about is making sure that, that everybody can use what they want, right? And I think that is a vast shift from 20, 30 years ago. When I, when I first started in just in working, right, in my working life, I st we, we still used a mainframe system. And for those of you kids that are under 35, what that is is you had one massive computer back in the rack somewhere, and you had a little green monitor, that green monitor with a keyboard and mouse, right? And it all went back there. And we were forced into one system. But Michelle, what Tony's talking about is making sure that the, the workers can use what they're comfortable with, what they like. Right. And, and whether that's downloading a free trial, just continuing to you know, re-up the free trial or whatever. Once the CTO and the, CEO and the CEO start realizing that, hey, like Tony says, there's already already people working using the system. How do corporations wrap their head around this and make sure that they can incorporate all these various soft codecs and, and, and systems? Uh, I don't know. I think a lot of what Tony said um, is driven by security. And I know that that's kind of a, a dirty word in pro-AV. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily our default position. Um, but yeah, I, 
there's something to be said for security and manageability. I know that when we first launched ClickShare, I had to go do a demo um, for a CEO of Methodist Hospital here in Houston. And he already had an Apple device that he could do sharing. And he said to me, well, how much does this device cost? And it was the ClickShare Mini. Um, so that was probably about six or seven months after the Classic had been released. And, and it was not inexpensive. I think MSRP was like $1,750. And he said, well, why wouldn't I just use this Apple device? And I said, well, you're the CEO. That's why IT approved for this Apple device to be, you know, in this room. But they're never going to approve for this $100 Apple device to be deployed and managed and secured because it's not going to be able to across the, the infrastructure. So in order for you to get a commercial product, you're going to have to go with something that's designed for that. And I think we're kind of at a little bit of that crossroads here because, you know, we want to make sure that things are secure. Everybody's got a different policy. It's got a meet policy. But you also have to give people what they want. So I don't really know that I had an answer. I might have spoken in a big circle, but uh, it's just giving the people what they want and figuring out how to accommodate that. And a lot of that goes to the shift in being non-proprietary and for something to be able to work across all platforms, which I don't know if anybody will ever the manufacturers will ever agree to it. I know in a perfect utopian world, uh, but there seems to be little desire. And coming from structured cabling, there's a reason that there's not one standard fiber connector. It was because there was a committee of about a dozen manufacturers and they all had their own proprietary fiber connector and they never agreed on what was going to be the standard. So Lucent was not going to agree with uh Pandu was not going to agree with Comscope, was not going to agree with Montap, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Mr. Ward, we'll bring you around on this one again. You know, talking about trying to get everybody kind of on the same page or at least making sure that the the companies, the corporations can leverage what their clients, what their employees are already using and making sure that everybody's happy with their collaboration tools. Does does every organisation have one platform? No. And 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 there there lies the problem, right? There, um, it's sort of looping back to what I said earlier about walking our floor alone, and we're supposed to be experienced. As I tweeted out on question one, you know, we've been video users since Movi, um, and we deployed it not just as a demo tool, but as our communication tool. And I've been using it from this desk since we had it many years ago but in that time we still have the choice of three platforms um, larger organizations hospital trusts corporate organizations they must have more more platforms you're on zoom today um, we just don't use zoom but i can get on um, but i can't do it from a room in our office it's, it just can't be done um, right. Um, as we kind of wrap up this 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 segment here, um, looking about at, at the different types of shows, and we just a bunch of us here. Jason was there. Um, Michelle was at at at, uh, at ISC. Um, David was at ISC. That is a big, let's call it, um, multi-brand show. Right. Uh, David was there uh, with Polly. You know the the Hall One and Hall Twos. On the right-hand side of, of ISC, here in about two or three weeks, uh, we'll be going to DSE, 
the same week of DSC, which is Digital Signage Expo, is Enterprise Connect. Uh, in June, we have Infocom. In between there, though, you have a Microsoft-specific show. Uh, in the fall, you've got um, Zoomtopia. You've got, um, you've got um, uh, Cisco show. And, and in what? fact, uh, to just, just FYI, yes. Zoomtopia was scheduled last year. Uh, Microsoft scheduled their Ignite show um, during the same week as Zoomtopia now. So now you have to have a choice. Yeah. Um, so let's take a look at, at which shows we find the most value. Is it valuable to go to Zoomtopia? Is it valuable to go to Cisco? Or, um, um, or is it more valuable for our time and our money uh, and you know, travel budgets to go to a, more, a show where we have more uh, connections with, more different, with, with different brands? Um, ben, we'll start with you on this. Which, which do you guys find more valuable? either you personally or you guys at Varex. So to date, I don't think we've invested in sending someone to a manufacturer specific show that required travel. So okay. if there's a show local to one of our brick and mortar offices, we have people attend who we've not spent the money to send someone to Zoomtopia. And I'd love to hear feedback if anyone else here has attended or other similar shows. So we regularly send people to, you know, the Infocom shows and ISC and so forth. And there's a lot of value in, in those shows. And obviously you'll never be able to see anywhere close to even a small percentage of the manufacturers and have those detailed conversations. So I'd imagine that in the manufacturer specific show, you do get much more into the nuts and bolts. Cause one of my complaints is I don't really care about the salesy pitch so much. I want to know how it works. How do I integrate it with other yeah. things? You're never going to get that from a 15 minute conversation standing at an Infocom booth. But if I'm in a seminars for a day or two, only about one manufacturer or platform, I can learn a lot more. Just haven't done it yet. All right, Michelle, from your standpoint, what is, um, what is more, more important or more valuable? Um, I am fascinated by the manufacturer specific shows. I would, if I were to go to one, I'd probably be more likely to go to a Zoomtopia than a Cisco, only knowing that a Cisco show, I mean, what percentage is video conferencing of their pie, right? Do I really want to talk about, you know, data centers, et cetera? Not really. Um, I would love to go to Enterprise. I think Enterprise Connect has the hot hand. Uh, I heard the most buzz about Enterprise Connect, and I had never been excited or even contemplated going, and now I feel like I'm going to have a little bit of FOMO, uh, because that seems to be a show that is very dynamic. I've heard tons of really positive feedback, and it's agnostic, so I, I do think it's nice to be able to talk to multiple manufacturers and, I don't know, just kind of size everything up all in one space. So I... I don't know. I think that's probably the best value, unless maybe you're a large enterprise customer or a large integration partner that is working, you know, with somebody like a Zoom, then maybe Zoomtopia is applicable. Yeah. Tony, have you ever uh, attended a, a manufacturer specific show? Oh, yeah. Um, so I was at Cisco for a very long time. And for many years, I would help with the Cisco Live. And, and Michelle, you're 100% right. The, the collaboration portion of that was pretty small. I mean, it's a huge event. It's massive. Uh, but as some of you guys may have seen, there is now a WebEx One conference that was just announced, which is a collaboration specific for Cisco's. Um, I find so uh, we, you know, we're a small consultant, small medium consultancy uh, bar. You know, we got to pick our pick our, uh, our and choose where we go. We we have decided to invest in being an enterprise connect this week this year. Uh, uh, booth twenty one twenty eight. There's my plug. Uh, because it is 
completely agnostic. And we as consultants need to be agnostic and it's more bang for your buck. While I kind of find the vendor specific ones, while they're usually a lot of fun, it's all about drinking the Kool-Aid, right? Yeah. Bring them there and, and brainwash them, make them you know, drink the Kool-Aid. So, you know, my favorite shows are Enterprise Connect all around and then Infocom because I'm, you know, I'm an AV background, but I've found some of our clients, if they're in collaboration, they're looking for a platform, they tend to go to Enterprise Connect. Uh, more than because it is a little bit of everything, but that shows morphed from the early days of you know Telcon East, Telcon West. For those of us who are really friggin' old and remember those shows, uh, JP, it's probably unfair to ask you since you're UK based, but um, have you been, attended any any that are all, that are just specifically about one vendor or one manufacturer? Interestingly, the last specific vendor event I attended was Cisco Live in Barcelona, and Tony dialed in. Uh, and did a remote presentation into the room. It was my introduction to Tony. Um, that was my last one, though, and, and shows the years it's been since I've done a, a specific vendor event. We talk every year about Ignite, though, and, and at some point, some we, we only allow so many weeks of our time for shows, and somebody at some point is going to have to cut loose from IRC or Infocom or something in favour of Ignite, and we haven't been brave enough to make that call yet. All right. Uh, we have a new uh, member of our panel here, Drew uh, Novelli. Drew, go ahead and, and join in. Have you attended or uh, been a part of any uh, vendor-specific or manufacturer-specific? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've done both. I've done the uh, ISC a few times. I've done Infocom a few times. Uh, most recently, I did uh, the Panasonic show. Um, and although that was, you know, Panasonic-based, they still had people from, you know, the ground there. Um and I think it really just depends on who's the audience is. Um, I mean, they try to get as many people as they can and they, they offer, you know, like I said, LeGrand, they also offer CTS credits, which I think are beneficial to anyone, but it really depends on who they're, you know, trying to get, who, who their audience is, whether it's an engineer, whether it's someone like myself who's in purchasing. Um, I don't find, you know, the nitty gritty technical stuff that someone like my colleague Ben might find helpful. Um, yeah, I want to know a, a, an overview, but those shows that are specific to one vendor, I might not get as much out of it because I don't need to know um, how every device works specifically. It might be good to stop by, renew contacts, you know, get some FaceTime with people, but it really depends on what you're looking to get out of it. So they have their benefits, but it really depends on what you're looking for out of them, I think. Chris, so, I know that, that, that you guys at, at Starin, you specifically did not attend Zoomtopia, but, but Starin did. Yes. Yeah, well, we, we, we are partners with, with a lot of the products that are being shown at Zoom. Uh, we obviously have our, our Zoom room kits, and we're, we're heavily involved in the Zoom ecosystem. So for us, yes, it makes sense to, to be at a trade show like that. I personally was not there. That was, uh, you know, uh, spearheaded by our Zoom, uh, Zoom room team, essentially. Um, the benefits is, is that you're seeing who's in that space and the people that are attending are paying to be there. So it's a very, it's not like you're not paying to get into Infocom, but if you're in Florida and you can get a ticket, right? Uh, Zoomtopia, you're going to pay to get it. And it's not necessarily the, you know, $20 admission fee either to get into a show like that. And even to be a, um, you know, a, a, a sponsor or a, you know, exhibitor on their floor, it does require, uh, you know, a certain amount of money to be put forward for that. But 
you know, the experience that you're going to get, yes, for some people that have been to other trade shows, it's a lot of Kool-Aid uh, when it comes to these vendor specific and it is what it is. You're also getting what they're, what they're getting good at is we're going to get you all the stuff that you want to hear about of our company here. Those, those messages may get lost in the sauce at a, at a, at a at more of an agnostic show where there's a thousand people all spitting out the same information. That's where this is going. That's why the Apple, you know, Apple doesn't do CES anymore. They do their own thing. And of course, if Apple does it, everybody's going to follow in that path as me and Tim have discussed before. I also like to point out that no matter what Drew Novelli said, he has a descendants thing hanging on his back wall. Clean Sheets was a great song. And I just want to put that out there. If anybody else has any problem with that, you can DM all your BS. Anyway. So um, that's signed too, by the way. <laughs> but that's Original the 2016 album. I'm going all earlier, man. I know, uh, anyway. I know, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to uh, leave it at that. Who else is on the line? Who, did we bring anybody else onto the the call? I'd like everybody to get a fair share. Uh, I think everybody had to stay on that one, uh, except for Mr. Danto, who is to your left. So if he, if he would like to chime, do you in. want to say? Because well, he's, he's the only one on this panel, unless I, I am mistaken, who regularly attends CES as well as the other ones. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm of a couple of minds on this. I've been to a number of the, the, the independent shows in Topia last year, some of the Cisco collaboration events. Um, I don't think there's necessarily a problem with a manufacturer trying to put on an event for their customers and the industry analysts and media to talk about all the great things about their platform. I think that that's fine. Um, and I think at those manufacturer-specific shows or platform-specific shows, you have other vendors there. They often have a trade show floor of partners, but again, they're all focused on just that one thing. My problem becomes when, when organizations do that instead of participating in agnostic events. Um, you know, they're, they're, you, can, you take a look at the sponsors for Collaboration Week this week, a lot of great companies that I'm very proud of, but I'm also very proud of the fact that they're willing to be part of an event side by side with competitors for the good of the industry. And then you look at the companies that we've been talking about today that are in collaboration that don't want to help the, uh, such an agnostic event. And the reason they don't want to help it is not because it it's, it's, wouldn't be valuable to them, because it would be, and it's not because they don't want the outreach, because it would be great for them. It's because they don't want to stand side by side and have to defend their product in front of customers if they can't control the message. And I think that's bad, okay? Um, we, we had, there, were two, there were three companies involved last year that aren't involved this year in the Collaboration Week uh, uh, events, and, and, and I'll just leave it at that. You guys can do the math and figure it out. But that's, that's insulting to me because to me that says, you know what, I, I, I want to be in this industry. I know all boats, you know, rise with the tide, but I don't want to be there next to my competitor because my message is not as compelling as his or hers. I don't think that's very good for the industry. I think that insults us as participants, um, as analysts, as industry people. And I think that's a horrible trend. And you're right. It's kind of what, what Apple started to do is we're not going to play, you know, and some of the other, you know, Microsoft isn't at CES anymore and some of the other ones. You know, I don't like that. I don't like the idea that they're willing to, to, to get you into their own house, but they're not willing to be a guest at somebody else's I, house. I've been waiting all morning for Grumpy Danto to show up. And he finally showed up two hours into this thing. And I, I also would like to point out, since we have a community watching and following along on Twitter, uh, the uh, John Green has uh, given you a hashtag. Uh, he oh, wants Dan, Dantopia to happen. 
<laughs> I, I'd go well, to let's, that. Let's I, just say that's an alternate hashtag for this week because Lord knows if anybody knows how much time I spent putting together collaboration with the INCCA. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting here now and getting emails from people that want to change their final, final, final deck for tomorrow. So yeah, um, this this one this one's Dantopia. Real real quickly because I'm not I'm not trying to push this well past the half hour mark. Um, David and and for anybody else here who wants to chime in real quickly. Some of what Apple and Microsoft both saw in CES is the fact that their message got lost in the concophony of that show. And and David, you yes, again, so someone who has attended that show, you kind of you you can attest to how much sure. noise goes on during that week. So is there not some value in the, those companies saying, you know what, um, we're going to step away. We're we're not going to go to that house. To use your example, to, to not going to go to that party simply because we want our message to be more amplified than it normally would if we were trying to fight with the 10,000 USB fans that are on the show floor in Vegas. Let me, let me give you my perspective on that one, and I won't take a lot of time, and I'll, I'll do a little bit of a history lesson, so I'm dating myself here a little bit as well. Um, one of the biggest manufacturers in AV, um, because of a spat between their owner and the show's owner, stopped exhibiting at Infocom. Um, I still think to this year that they're still not exhibiting, you know, at Infocom. Uh, you know, love Infocom or hate Infocom or love Avixa or hate Avixa, you know, you guys can, can read my opinions about where I think industry leadership is going on a different day on a different thread. I won't be grumpy that there. But you don't have to make a choice between renting out a stadium and doing a concert with John Fogarty or not showing up. There's gray in there. And when you take somebody in the industry who's an end user, who's either working for a 100-person firm and they don't have a lot of money, or they're working for a 200,000-person firm and they've got to get 19 permissions to travel somewhere, they're going to have to decide what they want to go to to learn about their industry. And to say to somebody that, that you know, I am not going to be at this show, so to that one end user that's looking for their one trip, and they want to be able to talk to everybody, and you can't put in a 10 by 10 booth just to be there for that guy, to me, that's hubris. That's not what I would think is appropriate at all. So I, I love the, the direct shows. I love what Microsoft and Cisco and Zootopia and all the rest, I, I think those are all really valuable shows, but I think it's important that they have a space at these larger shows like CES or, or anything else to, to, to make sure that for the person who can only make one trip a year, whether it's to Enterprise Connect or Infocom or to CES, that they have a presence there. It doesn't matter if their message gets drowned out. It matters that they're there for the customer that might be there, and they're there to tell a story to somebody that might not already be their customer. All right, very good. That'll be a good way to wrap it up here. Uh, those of you who are on the line, you are more than welcome to, to hang around. Uh, it is time for us to get some more coffee and, and do all that kind of uh, other stuff. Um, about 23 minutes, I guess, uh, before we come back. Thank you all so much. Uh, Mr. Danto, would you like to talk about, you, you said that the, the most of the events at the, uh, the UC uh, week, uh, collaboration week is, is already booked up, um, but let's go ahead and, and chat for a second about um, the, the event that is going on uh, right before um, the June Infocom show. Oh, sure, absolutely. Um, uh, the, the, the thought there is that we have become a community. How many people are online with us right now? You have 14 people, including participants and viewers of this on a Sunday, uh, on a Sunday um, as well as the people that are on Twitter. 
Um, how many impressions did you get on Twitter last week? Uh, we got about 8 million last week. We're up to almost 4 million, and it's not even uh, 11 o'clock in the morning. All right, so, so we, you know, what you've done with, with AV Nation is tremendous. What, what uh, um, our Jason and his team has done with AV Jam, what we've done at the IMCCA, what you've done with uh, uh, AV and the AM, we're a community now. We're a community that, that, that independently gets together and supports each other. I know there have been tons of messages encouraging employment, um, you know, jobs that are available. Hey, I need some technical advice on this. We're all kind of helping each other out. I haven't seen anybody get upset or say, have a no. So this is essentially a party for the Monday before any larger. <laughs> yes, Kev. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is, um, I won't read that. Um, this is a party to celebrate us for us. And, and Chris and Tim, I appreciate you jumping in and, uh, and Kevin, Jason and team jumping in and helping. Um, I, I appreciate that we're helping to organize it because somebody has to, but this is a party that doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the community. So if you're going to, uh, to, uh, to June, going to Vegas in June, show up on Monday, come Monday night, we're going to celebrate the unorganized community and, and have a great time. So the, the URL is on the screen, tinyurl.com, avb4party, um, and you can DM any one of the people that I mentioned and we can give you information on, uh, on uh, supporting it, on joining it, um, all there for you, and we're going to have a terrific time in June. We'll get some throwable microphones and we'll, we'll ban all uh, recording gear from that event. So yeah, we can oh, yeah. that one totally. Recording is off. We confiscate the phones at the door, right? <laughs> if, if we, never mind, I'm not going to parse out the fact that we're going to have throwable microphones and ban recording. Okay. Um, <laughs> thank you guys so much. Again, we'll be back in about 20 minutes. Uh, those of you who are on the panelist side of this i'm going to mute all of you uh, and hopefully mute, remember to mute myself again uh or mute, remember to mute myself this time i will unmute at about the top of the hour uh when we'll have some more guests from both barracks and around the country and around the world so this is the live version of avian am before uh collaboration we thank you all so much it is 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock uh central time 11 o'clock uh, eastern that means roughly 8 a.m uh pacific time Top of the hour for this live AV in the AM, uh, celebrating Collaboration Week. We, what we've been doing uh, actually since about 8 a.m. Eastern time this morning is chatting um, both uh, with Mr. Neto and Danto in New Jersey at the Varex office, but also collaborating and connecting various folks in the AV industry uh, through Zoom. Uh, we're using Zoom. Uh, it's one of the several different platforms. It's one we use here at AV Nation. Uh, my name is hey, Tim Albright, uh, in case you Tim, do you want, do you want to know why we're at Varex? Uh, because Tom Barry's a very nice guy. That was reason number one. And reason number two is it's 10 minutes from my house. So well, there you go. Really it's apparently an hour and 10 minutes from, from Mr. Neto by, uh, by, uh, um, uh, um, or Uber. So. That is correct. Jersey's a long stay. That's, that's what it. I've heard. That's what I've heard. All right. Uh, so what we're going to do this hour, um, we're going to talk about teams and not specifically teams, although that is part of the conversation, uh, the Microsoft teams, but just how folks are collaborating, how they're getting together, whether that's Cisco or Microsoft Teams, Slack. Um, here at the Aviation offices, we are a Microsoft house. Uh, so we have kind of leveraged uh, teams, although Quite frankly, uh, it's been kind of a, an interesting adoption uh, period for us. Um, we at one time used Slack, uh, but we, we've kind of migrated over to Teams. So what we'll start with is kind of go around the horn, reintroduce everybody, uh, let everybody know where you're from. Uh, we're going to start with, well, I guess, technically our, our non-New Jersey folks. Tony, where are you from? 
Uh, Tony Spartolo, Director of Collaboration for 2020 Tech, and I'm actually in lovely Warrington, Virginia, if anybody right. knows where that is, about 40 miles outside of Washington, D.C. Okay. So, so D.C. would be your, your kind of your market, <laughs> D.C. And yeah, we, well, I mean, we, we do most of the U.S., but yeah, probably our primary focus is uh, basically mid-Atlantic to northeast, uh, but we do have clients all over the country. I just, that just happens to be where my home office is. Okay. Our main office is actually in Reston, Virginia, which a lot of people know from the old Tamburg day. I mean, that's Cisco days. All right, very good. Michelle Lorette? Hi, I hail from Houston, Texas. Yay. All right. And Mr. Danto and Mr. Netto. I was born and raised in Brooklyn. I was born at Maimonides Hospital a long time ago. Moved to New Jersey when I had you. I'm sorry. Well, what was your question? <laughs> Who are you from and where are you from? <laughs> I think I've answered that. I'm from Dantopia, wherever that is. That's a new place. That's, that's south of... That's in uh, South Jersey. Yeah, definitely a South Jersey thing. Right. That would be South by Atlantic City South, not South where I think of South. My name is Chris Neto. I'm uh, the market development manager for Stern Marketing. And uh, that's what I do during the week. And on the off time, uh, I hang out with you fine folks here on Sunday doing AV in the AM. And uh, that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. Okay. All right. We got one but more. I saw somebody idea. else pop up. Yeah, Very excited. One more addition. Kev Talbot, a uh, member of the nine from SC, our friends over at SDN. How are you, sir? Oh, not bad, not bad. Why is it for me? Four o'clock. I'm starting to wind down for the day, I'll be honest. I've been uh, I've been the only employee of Talbot Taxis today, so I've been running everybody around and had no real time to join in the fun. <laughs> Best All part right. about this one, Tim, uh, with Kev joining, is that we're actually going to have to use the uh, the Google Translate, because when he gets hyped, <laughs> we can't understand a word he's going to say. Yeah, but look, you can see it. He doesn't have an open window. <laughs> That's cool. And I, was, I was hoping that was not a cultural thing. I'm very happy. <laughs> so we're going to have to translate Jersey, Texas, and whatever version of English that is. Okay, great story. I'm sorry. I, I got to go for a second. When I was working for um, uh, Bloomer a lifetime ago, uh, building their TV and radio networks, I had to go to Tokyo to help them build the Tokyo facility. So we had a wonderful young lady in charge of the facility, who a, a Japanese native speaker who spoke some English. And I was working for a British gentleman who, who was born and raised. And I was sitting there in the diner translating English to English. Um, so at the end of the dinner, he says, ah, oh, it was great. I like some hoods. I had to translate that into it was, it's a funny story. Yeah, English to English is love. Kevin McLaughlin and I had that very conversation uh, about a week or so ago. Uh, as we were bumming around Amsterdam about the different uh, types of the, the different phrases and, and uh, phraseologies that the that proper English, the UK's uh, still utilize that that us uh, Americans don't even recognize. I think uh, Higgly Higgly Digly is one of them. So which just means kind of jacked up. All right. Uh, so let's talk about teams. Let's talk about. Hmm? Yeah, not Higgly Wiggly, that Piggly Wiggly. That's a that's a that's a Devolving store in the south. Somebody's um, got a big cultural. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so we'll start with, with with collaboration here. The actual the actual software, the the teams, and, and the various versions of that. Um, David, we'll start with you on this. When you and I first started uh, collaborating and, and working together, uh, you pulled me into into Cisco. The various versions of that. I, you were the only person I ever collaborated with on on that. But it was yeah. neat, right? It was I think it was Spark was the first version of that. That was because it was Spark. Then it was. Where then it was Spark, then it was Cisco. Do you remember the original 
name for Sparta. I, I played what was the original? in beta NDA side two, and we loved it. Project Squared. What an awful name. That Project was. Squared. That's right. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that one. All right. So, so what do we like and why do we like it? I guess is the best way to put this. Well, you know, the, the, the idea behind a team collaboration side, and you know, it's Slack that started this thing off. The idea was that why can't we put all of our communication into a channel-based platform, put video calling into it, put voice calling into it, put document storage into it, so it's all in one place and we can work on it. You know, Slack essentially created the space in our industry. Um, Cisco wanted to jump on that bandwagon as well when they came up with the Project Squared, which became all the other versions, which is now Cisco WebEx Teams. And Microsoft um, is in the heated battle with Slack right now around what is a DAU, what's a daily active user, and how do you measure daily active user, and what's the definition of active, and it depends what you mean by it and all the rest of those wonderful conversations, but each one claims they're the most active use space. Um, I find, and this is a total personal opinion, Danto had on, um, that when you are engaged in a group activity with very dedicated, committed people that are updating things all the time, then it's, it's whichever platform you're using has tremendous value. If I know that my, if, if we're all in an AV integration company, we just launched a new client that needs to have a project, everybody's on the team, it's fabulous. You have one spot to go, you have to chat, you talk about everything, um, you put all the documents in there, you can edit the documents once they're in there, it's outstanding. So, so small, highly engaged teams, it's terrific. When you start to talk about scaling it out to, you know, a hundred thousand person company or, or, or whatever size you're talking about, then you find that people are not in the team. You know, even though they're there and you, you put in, you know, Hey, are you guys going to update your charts? They're not responding because they're not really dedicated on it. So, and they're not really as engaged as you are. So now you have to send an email to say, did you ask the question, answer the question that was in the teams? And, and, and it starts to become unwieldy after a certain point. So, I think it's valuable to a point. I think like everything in the collaboration industry, going back my four decades, you have a pendulum that swings way too far, and then it comes back eventually to where it's supposed to be. Um, I'm not a huge fan of using team platforms for collaborative video. And I do it every day. Um, but I'm not a fan of it, and I'll tell you why. Because if I've got the platform open on my desktop, and I'm doing um, you know, instant messaging and communicating and chatting across the channels, but now I have to get into a call on it. I've now lost the ability to use the team channels because I'm not using it for a call. So I have to open it up on a second screen or a second browser to be able to continue to do what it was that it was there for. So everybody has a little bit different comfort factor. There are differences with the types of platforms and how Slack works versus Microsoft Teams, which is really you know, a front end for SharePoint. Um, and it has that ability to collaborate on documents better versus you know, the way Cisco WebEx team does. You can tie that into a OneDrive or SharePoint, or if you post a document, you can't edit that document, you have to post the next version. Um, Michael Goldman, um, ex-Crestron, who's um, uh, now with the uh, uh, CDA, a consulting house uh, in, the, in the Massachusetts area, is going to be uh, anchoring this conversation for us in Collaboration Week on Wednesday and talk about the new and we'll have a panel discussion after that about pros and cons and why it works. So I think it's here to stay. I think it's very valuable. I think each platform has its pros and cons. And, uh, um, you know, it's going to eventually come back to the same place where everybody will be able to work on it. All 
All right, Tony, from your standpoint, because you do work um, a lot with remote and connecting with folks around the country and, and ostensibly around the world, when, you, um, when you're talking with clients, right, how do you, how do they rope you into or, or incorporate you into their conversations? Right. Well, you're talking about if you're talking about the collaboration tools themselves, or are you just talking about about the collaboration the tools? The collaboration tools themselves. Like, is it something where they have a conversation? So, you know what, Tony, here's here's a Slack invite yeah. for this room, or here's Teams or that thing. And that and that's a great question because it's I think it's one of the boundaries that I'm seeing right now, right? Is do are you allowed to talk to people outside of your organization? Right. This has been a big hurdle for a lot of my clients were like, yeah, I love the collaboration tools. I'm a huge fan of it. Going back to Project Squared when I was at Cisco, Tamburg, we made, I made my teams go, if it's not in there first, don't send me an email. And we all moved there. But now the problem is, okay, I have a client that says is using Teams, right? And of course, my organization has Teams as well, but now we have to set up a federation so we can talk to each other. And a lot of clients go, well, that's a pain in the butt. Um, or in the case of Slack, oh, I'm not paying for my license, so I can't talk to you. So if you want to buy... So I think the, the tools that allow that kind of open anybody can chat is the ones that are going to win in the long run. Um, but yeah, I get into that all the time. Hey, can you join this? Can you join that? Well, how do we do it? And so the platforms that go, I just put your email address in and now you're part of the chat. Those are the ones that I see adoption growing because it's not so much talking internally, it's being able to talk to the teams outside, which I think is really important. Michelle, uh, from your standpoint, what do you have a favorite or one that you can typically, you know, kind of migrate to? No, and I had somebody that tried to make me use Slack a couple of years ago, but I was at ISC and I was like, yeah, I downloaded it. I'm in Europe. I don't have time to figure this out. I'm completely overwhelmed. I'm just trying to figure out the lay of the land. Um, I, the most probably dynamic collaborative experience was um, a Twitter DM thread with the AV Jam UK people, who, by the way, can text like tweens um, at probably about 200 characters per minute, impossible to keep up with, but hilarious uh, when you do finally get to read back and scroll through. Uh, but I, I haven't leveraged any of the platforms. I, My concern, well, however, when I previously represented um, a software platform that people would use to manage and monitor and troubleshoot their uh, AV hardware assets, I had so many people asking me questions like, well, does this integrate into Teams? Does this integrate into Slack? And I'm like, well, integrate in what way? Can you articulate what you would look to accomplish by this, you know, asking for this integration, uh, you know, which is probably a better answer than my normal, oh, we have a REST API. I'm sure we can because, you know, I just like to make everything sound easy. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm not a subject matter expert on that. Um, but I would wonder kind of to what y'all were talking about, like, a lot of times the collaboration is with an external group, not just all internal team members. Um, and to what David was saying about people being engaged, because if I'm definitely engaged in something, I am. But if somebody's not, then you're now going to, you know, traditional old school ways of like, hey, are you going to contribute? What? You didn't answer that question. You know, being able to find the information in a timely fashion, I think, um, or having too much noise. We're already so overstimulated. I mean, between my iPad, my CPU, my cell phone, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, 
uh, oh, customers, those people, you know, partners. Yeah. Oh, do I need to talk to those people too? So yeah, I wonder that sometimes if you're working on a lot of different things, if it could get too noisy and hard to stay engaged. All right, David, from you guys' standpoint, when you're looking to connect with other others, is it something where you leverage their communication platforms or is it where you want to bring them into your own? You know, that's interesting from, from my perspective in that uh, I feel as, as, a, as a, someone on the sell side of the industry that I have to engage with the customers where they are. And in fact, while it's not a topic for our conversation today or even for our event, you know, the whole idea of the customer experience center or the contact center, that's where contact centers are going. You need to be where the customer is. So you don't want to frustrate them. You want to, if, they're, if they want to reach out to you on Twitter, they'll reach out to you on Twitter. If they want to reach out on LinkedIn, they'll reach out on LinkedIn. So I sit, you know, very similar to Michelle, I sit in front of like nine displays when I'm at my desk at home, in my home office, um, and I'm monitoring everything. I'm monitoring work email. I'm monitoring uh, 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 Microsoft Teams from, from my work site. I'm, I'm monitoring often uh, Cisco WebEx Teams. I'm monitoring uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, my personal email. And, and my biggest problem, you know, the gray is hereditary. You get it from your kids. Um, the, the, the grayer I get, the less I remember where the question came from. So when I finally get the answer that somebody asked me about, I have to remember well, did they email me and which email did they use or was it on LinkedIn or was it on Twitter and was it here and was it there? And, you know, I have this little aching problem that I would be able to follow tweets that I sent more easily if I wasn't up on Sunday morning sending about 100 tweets every Sunday. Now it's impossible for me to even follow myself and go back in the list and figure out what's going on. So, so you know, I would agree with you. If there were one platform that could put all of this together, it would make collaboration a lot easier. Um, the biggest problem that I've had, um, or, or the, the biggest observation that I'll make, is that with the video collaboration and voice collaboration, we have almost just got standards and interoperability working. And then team chat came along and dropped the bomb. You know, yeah. now everybody's everywhere. <clears throat> and I know that, if, you know, with the three of us, when we were talking about doing this event last week, what did we want to use? Did I want to use Teams? Did we want to use, you know, we're essentially coordinating using Twitter, a Twitter DM chat, because that's the only thing we can all get to easily. That's a problem, you know, because it, it doesn't, you know, it, we need yourself. solutions. It wasn't a problem. It was perfectly fine. Oh, there you <laughs> it was fine for Twitter. For, oh, my for phone the, went it was off. fine for the guy who's already gotten into Twitter timeout today. But the other thing I'll, I'll point out is the fact that that even today, right now, yes, we're using Zoom and the Zoom webinar uh, feature. Uh, if you're watching it on the Zoom part, on the webinar part, you can participate in that chat. Over on the YouTube stream, which is just being able to watch, um, there's a whole different chat, right? Oh, is there? Yeah, so yeah. you've got <laughs> folks like uh, Leo Malik. You've got uh, Chris is in there. J J uh, Jason Ward's back over there. Um, Kevin Maltby is, is, is over there chatting. Uh, John Green has been over there. So even today in this, in this little ecosystem, we've got folks in different locations. And then you also have obviously the, the, the thousands that are on Twitter cha uh, chattering away. So first of all, I think that interop is the, is the gift that everybody's waiting for, right? We all want interop. I mean, that's the big, please put it in a nice big package with nice wrapping and a big bow and please deliver that Christmas. That'd be awesome. But we've been screaming for that for years. Um, almost at a point of exhaustion, right? So now what does 
what does this all have to do as far as collaboration? The, the, the interesting part about conversation in this, in, in this space, collaboration, in an, you say collaboration to any integrator, and the first thing that's come to mind is you want to do video. So it's obviously connecting us to our now new brethren in the IT side of the business, right? You also have a third party mysteriously sitting off to the side that's kind of dictating what interop is going to be. Not interop, but collaboration is. And that is every 20-something that is graduating the university right now who will not care what you give them. That is a reality that we all are going to have to face that we as a company, Danto Enterprises, can decide on this. You like that, right? Yeah, I like that. Dantopia and Danto Enterprises. We have two. Danto Enterprises. (laughs) You can decide on platform A and you say employees use that. You would expect your employees to use that until you find out that they're better off collaborating using this, right? It is what it is. Collaboration is, it's one of those, it's not going to be stopped. You can't stop the evolution of it. And whatever that is, is determined by how people feel most comfortable. Uh, I, for one, uh, consistently on a daily basis use Zoom. Now, document sharing and all that, I hate when I have to put the, the link out to a Dropbox to this I have to do a thousand permissions. I've got to appeal to everybody. I, then I find out I can't go in and see something until you allow me to come see it. And it's not in the flow. The workflows are interrupted and it, it's it drives the workflow. It's, and, and that is what's going to drive any 20 something who is used to using, again, back to the cell phone. The cell phone is, I hate to say it, but it is the model. It's the secret. It's the holy grail to everything that we're doing is a cell phone. Well, let me, let me, let me stop. Because it's all in one box and it all kind of, you have that operating system that allows you to have an app that does collaboration with this, with that, with the other. Let me stop you there so, just for a cheap plug. Um, part of Collaboration Week this week coming up on Tuesday morning, we're going to be hosted by our good friends at Google. And they're giving us their 160 seats so that we can uh, present in their team chat space. Um, and, um, and their model is interesting. If you are a Cisco um, uh, video user, or if you're a Zoom video user, or or whatever you know, wh- whatever you're using within your enterprise, and, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, and you know they might object when they talk about it and see it, but they don't want you as a customer. They are not trying to compete for your video business as as the video conferencing platform with their Google Hangouts Meet tool. First of all, it's too long to even put in a thread. Google hang out with me, but whatever. Um, but what they want is they want you to say, come to G Suite. Stop using your Microsoft platform. Stop using your other platforms. Come to G Suite. Um, you can use our document and share and edit online with easy permissions. You don't have to use you know, your presentation method. You can come and use ours. Everybody can share. You can see nine people editing the document at the same time with their names. Um, and if you're in G Suite already, you don't have to go outside for video. Here's Google Hangouts Meet for you to use in video. So it's a platform play more than it's a collaboration play. And that's how they define collaboration. And it's mobile first. And it works just as well on the phone as it does anywhere else. So they're sort of hanging on the fringe. And, you know, we, we, we talk FANG or GAFA or any one of these other terms that we were talking about. A lot of these very big companies that are just hanging out on the edge um, at any point in time can come in and say, oh, by the way, hi, we're, we're taking over your industry, bye. Um, so you're going to start to see more and more of the millennials and the Gen Z that are coming into the workforce that are used to working that way, saying, why do you want me to use 
um, PowerPoint on the desktop. I've been using, you know, uh, sharing slides on, on G Suite since I was in high school, um, or I've been using my Mac since, you know, the lab in, in middle school. So, yeah, I mean, we are, we are one behemoth is flicking of a switch away from changing the industry. Well, and to that point, David, uh, I, I have an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old, right? And my 13-year-old my daughter, uh, who is in eighth grade now, she is, um, has been in, in G Suite for three years, right? Every presentation, every, every document, every um, uh, paper that she does, she writes in sheets, right? She's done, she's done a PowerPoint, but she's never touched PowerPoint, right? She's done it right. in slides. Right, and, and they do get you early, uh, as it were, um, just like Mac did years ago. Um, but it, you know, it, it, I think some of it is also gonna be you know, what they're used to and what they're comfortable with. Because yeah, folks you know, grew up using Macs. I used a, an Apple IIc um, back in the early 80s, but when I went into the workforce, it was, a, it was a PC, and so I learned how to use a PC, and I used PCs for years. But now when it became time to, for me to make that decision, we're primarily a Mac house. Um, but my editor, <laughs> Mitchell, he is a, is a PC guy. So guess what I got? I got him two PCs. He has a desktop here in the office, and then when we're remote, he has a, he has a laptop to take with him. Um, we've got a, a young man here. Uh, Mr. Joe Way is joining us uh, from the, the, the left coast, as it were. Good morning, sir. Hey, happy morning. Hopefully you can hear me. Can you hear me? You yes. Definitely. All right. Hey, happy morning. It's nice to jump in and, and uh, all of a sudden see that uh, I didn't do my hair and makeup, but, but I'm- Your on. hair looks beautiful. You know, I thought- He I said, I'm cheating. Bad hair day. Joe's <laughs> <laughs> allowed in here without his, uh, without his trademark sweater. What's going on? It's been Sweater Joe for the last couple of weeks online. Because hmm. he was in Amsterdam, not not in Southern California. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Though I looked at, I was going to do this outside because I know I'm going to. I'm my wife is going to hate the fact that I speak loud when I'm on webinars. But I looked at the weather, and it's only 64 degrees, and there's no way I'm going outside in 64 degrees. Not right there. Oh, they don't use, oh yeah, but you're going to hate me now. Just one second. Throw some. Can you throw some color bars over that guy? <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, but it's, it is a little overcast, though. Besides the Southern California weather report, what uh, Joe Joe is a tech manager, uh, has been uh, in two different, a uh, couple different uh, locations, and currently he is um, at USC. So go Trojans. Um, but when you guys are, are collaborating, you're working with your your workers as well as your other, um, as your your faculty and your your bosses. When you guys are, are chatting, what what is it that you're using to collaborate? You know, it's interesting because when I came on staff, we I found out we had like five or six different uh, collaboration tools. Not only that, we had five or six different LMSs. How would you like to be that student? Huh? Not knowing where your where everything is and what's what's streaming to where. Uh, so we recently moved to give the commercial to Zoom, um, but we just moved to being an enterprise Zoom and an enterprise Slack. And we found that, you know, buy-in is difficult because people have their workflows. We know that's going to take time, but the easiest way is also, you know, pay for it for everyone and tell them you get to keep your money and not have to buy your own thing. Um, but we found that the students surprisingly love Slack. Like when we went to them and said, oh, we're going to do that. And we had no idea how much they used it. 
And like we was just saying before, uh, uh, as Chris was just saying, like they don't, no one cares what you give them, um, but they want it to, they want it to be able to work and they'll jump. They're not, they don't care about a brand. Uh, they just want it to work. They want it simple and they will jump to whatever uh, is kind of hot at the moment, which I think, uh, you know, the traditional player should be scared about that uh, because, you know, whoever's, like I said, anyone can come in and take over this industry to the net with the next generation. If it's simple on an app and it works, that's what they care about. And we're seeing that big time. And buy-in has actually been easier with the students because you tell them you got a free pro account than it has been the faculty who get used to just working in their way, you know, year after year after year. Have you so, been able to streamline your learning management system? I'm just curious. Um, that's that's a harder, that's a bigger fork trick, right? Yeah, we're going to call that phase two. Um, okay. But uh, it, no, and the reason for that is because we have uh, laws that require us to keep material up for so many years after. So you ah. can't, where you can't just shut down one, you know, you can take a, uh, uh, you know, a collaboration tool and shut one down and use another one or just tell people start going somewhere. But yeah. if something's up on Blackboard or Moodle. Uh, Canvas or Moodle or whatever, um, it has to be there for so many years. So there is a little bit of a transition that has to be done. Um, but we are going to start leveraging and again, using kind of zoom and start, you know, if we work that into one and you work it directly into say blackboard or whatever, which happens to be our official one of choice. Uh, you're going to slowly start getting buy-in when you can make the classrooms easier, right? It's like, Hey, it naturally goes right to this. Um, at least that's kind of the plan. Um, we'll see how it goes, but there are a lot of other laws and regulations that go when you touch that stuff. All right, guys, uh, we're going to wrap this segment up, but don't go anywhere because in about 25, 30 minutes, uh, go ahead. Even ask Kevin, Kev Talbot, what he was thinking? A long time ago. Yeah. Thanks for. Oh, being I here. am so out of the question. <laughs> I didn't see, I didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't see the translator pop up. Apparently it didn't make an impact. Uh, <laughs> oh, Wow. I'm just saying. Kev, would you like to repeat your comments about collaboration tools for Mr. Neto, who was not paying attention? And now leaving the room. <laughs> While he's running out. And it's following <laughs> him. And it's still following him. <laughs> that is technology right there. That right there, yeah. Go ahead, because I'm listening. On my, I'm going to be listening on my phone. Go ahead. <laughs> genuinely listening on you. Where does he just come from? <laughs> Enter stage so, left, exit stage right. I don't know. That was amazing. I think mine was it was followed him. They're all the same beast. Whether oh, the manufacturers oh. think it or not, they're all doing the same thing. And it's all down to what the users prefer. Now, with me, I've constantly got running Zoom, Microsoft, and Cisco Teams permanently running because I've got chats here, there, and everywhere. My preference, genuinely, and there's only a couple of us that use it, is Cisco. And the only reason for that for me is I deal with a lot of people that aren't part of Involve. And then when they're on there, I can drag them in and I can share content and it just allows me to drag and drop, copy and paste and go. Whereas in Microsoft, I've got to kind of log out and do one or the other. And I'll be honest, I'm pretty new to Zoom and it's confusing the living daylights out of me, even with dual video layout or single video layout. I'm thinking I can see everyone four times what's going on. So that's kind of baffling me. But wait, yeah, wait. For me, I, I don't. Well, hold on, hold on. Wait. So, 
maybe the translator's not working, but did you use Cisco and Dragon Drop in the same sentence? Yes, he did. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I've just been working with people at Cisco and distributors and end users as well. And it's confusing what they call the space of a team because they're kind of the same thing, but they're one within the other. But I can then look at a file and drag it in and say, have a look at that. Let's play with that. Do whatever you're doing. And it just lets me do it. Whereas Microsoft, if I'm in an involved chat, absolutely great. But if I'm in a chat with a third party, a customer, a vendor or whatever, and I try and drag it on drop, it tells me to disappear because security doesn't let me. But then I can email it to them and security lets me do that. Why do I want to have to move to email to send it over? But yeah, Cisco lets me just go drag and drop, open that file, do whatever you need to. All right. What, I, I just think we should all go back to using ICQ. So that's Yes. See, see. Oh, oh, did that hurt? That made me feel old. Thank you for bringing up ICQ. <laughs> and here's the thing, Tony. It's, Tony, it's oh. still out there, actually. Oh, I know it is. I, yeah. Oh, seriously? It seriously send me, is. Send, send me the link to my AOL address. All right. Uh, I still have an AOL account. Don't be ageist. My my parents still have AOL, and I'm shocked whenever I get an email from it. There, there is actually a, a very prominent um, residential um, blog writer uh, who uh, he's an integrator, um, but he still has an AOL account, and that's a, that's the only uh, email I have for him. So now, if he had an Excite.com or a MindSpring. All right, let's let's stop being old guys. All right, um, I'll send you to my GeoCities website <laughs> with, with your animated email gif. Um, Mr. Danto, um, talk for a second about um, all of your stuff in New York is is already sold out. You can chat about that if you, it, let's talk about that for a second, and then about the get together uh, ahead of Infocom, and then we'll give. Ah, okay, sure. Break. Well, um, everybody who's paying attention to this, all um, um, 11 of you, <laughs> and more on YouTube, of course, um, can go to collaborationweekny.org, uh, which is the website for Collaboration Week. And um, while most of the sessions are sold out, there are two that I want to point out that aren't. Um, the, um, the, the gala dinner on Tuesday night still has some seats available. Now, this one isn't free. This one costs you a whole $20. Um, but we are giving um, two uh, uh, emerging technology fellow lifetime achievement and industry impact experts. One to Crestron's Randy Klein, who's been uh, uh, sitting in that chair for a long time and a great for our industry. Um, and the other to Eric Wan, um, who was the founder of Zoom and who's done some amazing things. So definitely, if you're in the New York area and want to join us for dinner, register for that. And uh, then the very last event is uh, Mersive, our sponsor, is. Uh, is uh, renting out uh, the entire uh, bar at Oscar Wilde's and um, just go register for that one. It's free. And Wednesday afternoon, it's the closing cocktail party where we'll all get together and schmooze and talk about what we've learned and what happened. And again, just as a reminder, the good folks at um, Sound of Communications Magazine are recording um, the sessions and they'll have them up on their website soon. Um, do we want, we want to talk about before again? Sure. Yes, let's sir. talk. Okay. So, um, I love you guys, and you guys love each other, and you love us, and let's have a love fest. We're all going to Vegas in June, so uh, make sure you get there by Monday. Um, the party is called uh, B4, um, and uh, Chris, you were going to call it AV in the PM, so it might be... It's because it's kind of after hours, but uh, 
you know, for all of us, we kind of just don't use AV and the PM because AV and the AM is just a, it's like being in Groundhog's Day. Right. Chris, we we determined a year ago that Chris is better at naming things than I am, so we're going to leave it with him. But for now, it's B4. There's the link to register for it, uh, tinyurl.com slash AVB4 party. Um, that's in Twitter all over the place. Follow me, <coughs> NJDavidD on Twitter, and, uh, and it's, it's in there in a million places. Um, register for it. Um, we're asking everybody that's coming to pay their tip, which is, again, $20. Um, and we're, we've got a few sponsors, including AV Nation TV, including the IMCCA, um, uh, including AV Jam UK, and we'll hopefully get, you know, five or six or seven more sponsors that are going to foot the bill. And it's just a beautiful, relaxing get-together for our, our Battlestar Galactic, a ragtag fleet of non-aligned grassroots industry people getting together and having a love fest in Vegas Monday night before anything else is happening in the city. That's uh, uh, June 15th, I believe. Uh, yeah. Yes. So. All righty. Uh, so here's how this is going to play out, guys. Uh, we are going to take a short break. Uh, about 25 minutes or so. Uh, those of you who are on the panelist side uh, of the uh, Zoom webinar uh, will mute, be muting you. Those of who are on the attendee side, if you want to jump in, please let me know uh, in the chat. Those of you who are watching by YouTube, we will be going to color bars again, sort of just as go continue the conversation at hashtag AV in the AM uh, on Twitter. So if you do that, that would be fantastic. We'd appreciate it. Uh, well, this will be our last segment, right? This coming up segment will be our last segment. Um, so uh, stay tuned for that. Again, top of the hour, we will be coming back to uh, AV in the AM live from everywhere, quite frankly. But Varex in New Jersey, uh, Aviation Studios here, uh, Virginia, Texas, UK, and Southern California, which apparently is warm today, unless you're a Southern Californian. And it's cold because, you know, whatever. All right, guys, uh, we'll see you about 25 minutes. Thank you. All right, it is the top of the hour. Um, so here we go one last time uh, as we all uh, chat today. Now Joe is in front of um, a... The McKay Beautiful. Center. I'm in nice. front of the McKay Center. Andy has media. on a new shirt. And, has and, and I'm repping because... Yay, There you go. Very nice. Somebody screen capped that it. Yeah, as we as we end up here, this is our last segment, uh, at least for us. Uh, obviously, the conversation can continue on on uh, hashtag AV in the AM uh, on Twitter. Uh, but Mr. Netta, you want to start off with some thanks today? Well, first, I would like to God bless you. Uh, first, I would like to thank uh, Varix for uh, giving us an opportunity to come here and use their uh, facility. Uh, it's been great. Thank you, Tom. Tom's off to the side, kind of recuperating from a cold and thank you for staying in your in your uh, contamination zone over there that's awesome you're welcome appreciate it he's respected having you guys here have a great week <laughs> he has respect respected the dmz most of the most of the time today um i also would like to thank um you tim for uh for jumping in and helping host this because i think that this um this year's video live First time we're doing it this way, and I think it really worked out well in the sense that, um, you know, we're trying to, to, to add a different component to AV and AM. I get asked a lot, you know, what's the next, how, how can we take AV and AM to another, to another point? And, you know, uh, the party is one way going with the B4 and see if we can, uh, if we can take what we do online and translate that into, into real world networking experiences. So there's more uh, coming there, but uh, 
thank you, David, for, uh, for, for, I guess, having me and asking the community to come part of, of communications or collaboration week, because we collaborate on a daily basis, weekly basis, at least for us on Sunday. So thank you. And I appreciate that. And for what, uh, IMCCA for doing that. And, um, that's it, man. I got no plugs outside of that, but I want to thank everybody that's here. Uh, obviously, there are sponsors for the week that David will talk about that are part of uh, uh, Communications Collaboration Week. I am not technically in that. That's 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 uh, Dantopia. That's not me. <laughs> well, so I'll let we'll him. We'll ask him to put that slide up at the end. Yeah, I'll, I'll have him go into that at the I end. But half of uh, you know what I do with with AVNA, and thank you guys for for helping. You know giving us a different perspective and thank you to the dog that barked. Good. Next. Let's go. All right. So this, this time around, we are going to talk about DIY uh, and the, 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 the possibility that it actually exists. And there's Mr. Coxton joining in. Uh, Sorry. Hi, sir. This is when um, AV and the AM. California earthquake. Stop it, it. This is when AV and the AM collides with breakfast. Sorry. It is, it is AM. So I mean that yes. was the whole, and we're, whole thing. We're cooking. Um, what are we cooking down here? Uh, blueberry, blueberry pancakes. So, Very nice. You know, for those that don't know, the origin, sit, if you I haven't seen the origin story of AV and the AM, it started with making breakfast. So thank yeah. you, Mark, for reminding us how it started. For bringing that in. Hey, but, hey, man, I'm all about origin stories. You know how it goes. <laughs> it's so like, the California like guys have better weather and better food. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> don't you feel sorry for them? But it's still too cold to go outside. Yeah, Way Way thinks it's too cold where you are. Uh, what? Cold front. Well, gosh, and where Mark is, he's at least two degrees colder than me. I mean, he's got oh, some yeah. mountain breeze, and you know, I don't know how he's going to handle that. All right, here we sure. go. So uh, we also have joining us is Mr. Steve Greenblatt. Um, I believe that he has jumped in already. I'm here. There he is. How are also you, sir? Also representing New Jersey. Still representing. Well, you know what? Uh, we have to we have to offset the California hippies uh, with the New Jersey uh, people. So, um, we don't let's talk about. Let's talk about uh, DIY and and the 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 real possibility that it, that exists in in the collaboration space. Um, Let's go around the horn. I'm just going to kind of sh share with everybody that who's here. Uh, and as I call on you, you can tell tell us your name and then where you're from and then also chat. So we have uh, Mark Coxon, obviously, uh, from Tangram out in Southern California. Michelle Lorette from Texas. Tony is out in Virginia. Mr. Greenblatt, as we just mentioned, is in uh, uh, New Jersey. And then Joe is also back out in California. So Steve, I actually want to bring you in on this. Uh, Steve Greenblatt is from Control Concepts. He's also a host here on Aviation on the uh, the uh, State of Control podcast. But what we want to do here is, and Steve, we'll, we'll talk with you on this. Um, taking a look at DIY when it comes to um, collaboration, real, real, honest to God DIY. Whether that is um, customers, you know, uh, so people like Joe, um, who is a tech manager out in USC. Or it's you know enterprise folks who think that they can bring these tools in and do it themselves. What is the real possibility of DIY when it comes to UC in the space? I, I I think it's happening already, and I think I don't think that it's something that that uh, can be avoided. Or or um, I, I think that that we need to figure out a way to work together to to complement it as, as service providers. So if there's a, a, a way that we can help the 
clients, uh, enterprise clients or, or whomever they are, try to understand the, the do's and don'ts and try to, to follow best practices and, and figure out how we, we can help them do what they're doing better. Because um, as, as Joe mentioned, I was sitting in, in the prior segment, the, you know, the, it, it, a lot of this is also coming from younger people. And there's a lot of uh, collaboration, and, and they, they probably can teach us some things. So I think that, that uh, collaborating to make collaboration better might, might be the, the, uh, the, the way to, to, to uh, make all of this work. Uh, that, <laughs> make now, make now us all a happy family. Now the snake has eaten the tail. All right. Um, <laughs> Tony, I guess we'll bring you on this. Is, is that make sense where we get more and more young people in and, and we do have to work? with DIY as a real possibility, as a reality in this, in this world? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Steve. It's already happening. Uh, my prior position, we found out that one of the companies that was being acquired, what did they do? They had all slapped Google boxes up everywhere because it was the technology group. Uh, but I do agree that we can show them a better way. I think that's, that's almost the inroad for a lot of companies is they start sticking a camera on a screen in a room and then they start going, well, how do we make it better? And that's where we need to come in and show, hey, guys, it's not that hard to make this a better solution by using the right technology. You know, simple things like, you know, stop putting the camera on the table. But, you know, do, do it yourself is not a bad thing. I, I think it's getting more people to get into collaboration and realize the, the value add to the business and make them go, you know, if we could make this a little better, let's go find the guys that help us make it better. I think that's what we have to look at it as. All right, Mr. Dantel, we'll bring you in on this when it comes to collaboration and <laughs> DIY. Um, not yeah, well, but, well, hang on, you, so you work you work for Poly, right? And Poly is Polycom and Plantronics coming together. A lot of those devices could have gone both straight to uh, the consumer to help DIY. Yeah, and, and you know, it, I, I'm not going to put a Poly hat on here today, but you know, we, we want to offer multiple products and multiple choices for people in every application. So that goes from somebody who wants to install it themselves to somebody who needs an integrator. We're going to offer all of them, which I really think is the only way to do it as a manufacturer. Um, I, I'm I'm more concerned, you know, speaking from my industry expertise, in that you know we have had a, a toxic situation. We're, again, that pendulum we were talking about in the past uh, uh, um, segment really brought us to a bad point right now. Um, I can give you two stories. One, a few years ago, that a large oil company wanted to install um, uh, Cisco one-piece uh, video conference systems um, into their offices, uh, but in their offices, they were using an AV integrator, one of the top 10 AV integrators. Um, and, um, and the AV integrator refused to install the Cisco drop-in systems unless they were able to add a control system to it and a DSP and microphones to it. Um, and, and that's counter the point of a system that you could just take off the shelf and drop in. And, and that's one example, which I've, I've written about in articles, um, that's one example of uh, uh, a case where the AV industry and the integrators and the consultants didn't do a service. They overcomplicated a lot of installations. So you have CIOs and, and facilities people saying, I'm not gonna deal with these people anymore. Go to Best Buy, slap a camera on and we're done. Um, and you even have a couple of people moving into the collaboration space right now saying, they're not even gonna sell to integrators and channel partners. They're gonna sell specifically just through their website and, uh, and, and 1-800 numbers, 1-800 call your video conference system. Yeah. And I think 
that's backlash from that situation. If, if the integrators and the consultants have become trusted partners and say, look, this is a six-person room, of course you can buy the off-the-shelf system and put it in. But this auditorium, don't think you can slap a webcam on a 60-inch display and cover it. You really need to do more there. I think if we had brought honesty in there, we wouldn't be in the position we're in right now. And I'd love to get everybody else's opinion as to whether or not you agree that this is a pendulum swinging because of how overcomplicated and overexpensive the integration business has been for a long time. Well, Mark, I want to bring you on this because I'm going to bridge both what Danto said, but also uh, Mitch Klein a couple of years ago, um, who is the head of the, the uh, uh, Z-Wave Alliance, made the comment of do it with you, uh, do it with them. And, and Mitch is, is, lives and breathes in the residential market. So, so give me a second here. But it's the same type of thing where you have clients who are purchasing equipment and putting it in their facility. I don't care if the facility is a house or if the conference room. But, but integrators, whether that's uh, Mark at Tangram or, or uh, uh, Barracks or whoever, need to recognize that and, and help them understand what, 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 it, what their needs are and walk them through that process. So, Mark, is that something where, as you know, technologists and experts, you can walk them through that process and say, yes, you could certainly purchase an off-the-shelf, but here are the reasons why you may or may not want to. Yeah, I, I think there are two important things you just said, Tim. So, so one, I'm glad you connected residential because I fought this 2002 through 2009 in the residential market in Arizona. You know, the the emergence of Best Buy and Ultimate Electronics and all the people we start see fading now really took off in the early 2000s before Amazon, and you know, really, uh, you know, made a play with the consumer um, against the old custom residential install companies, and. <clears throat> You know, it really came down to one thing. There were a lot of people who knew what to buy, but it comes down to disposable income and where they value their time. And I don't think corporate is really any different. So this idea of do it with you, I think, is very, very important. Um, for me, when I'm looking at this, I, I, I uh, commiserate with David <clears throat> very much because I've seen this for years where we overcomplicate things that shouldn't be overcomplicated or try to add things on top of what somebody's request is. I live, in a, I live in a space where I'm dealing with all sorts of corporate clients where we're doing furniture and we may be doing thousands and thousands and thousands of desks and they engage us on technology. And my opening line is typically this, everything I can sell you, you can buy online and probably for cheaper. We both know that. There's a reason that you invited me to be in this room. We just need to identify what that is and what the value of it is. Is it that you need help deploying? Is it that you're, you're uncertain as to what product you actually need to buy to deploy in these spaces? If this was a question of price and product, the decision is done. It's not me, right? And so when we look at that, we say, you know, I don't think you're a stupid person. I think you're very smart. I don't think you're wasting either of our time by having this half hour, 45 minute meeting. So what is it that you don't know that you're afraid is going to hurt you in the long term if you do this on your own? Why have you invited me here? And what do you hope that I can help you with in order to make sure that this goes properly? And if we can assign a dollar value to that, that we both agree on, then we have a, a way to do business, right? It may be that I help them focus their team on their, maybe they're doing a big software deployment in IT and they don't want their IT resources hanging TVs. They may be very capable to do it and they may be very happy to pay me to do it as long as I'm not trying to do what David said and upsell every single chance I get change order every single chance I get. Don't overcomplicate, find out what the customer needs. And if they, if you come to an agreement to do it, do it. Don't do it on this um, 
Don't be disingenuous. Don't take jobs where you know you want to increase the scope of work and that you're going to change order and that the client isn't on board for that up front. Because I think as an industry, what we've done many times, unfortunately, is we create this fear, uncertainty, and doubt. We get the client halfway through a process and then we know we've got them held hostage to finish it. And that's how people bid jobs when they bid these RFPs. They bid the letter of what's on the law, on the paper. They know there are 17 things the customer missed that they're going to need. They know four of the systems on the, on the list aren't going to work for the applications that there. They shut their mouth. They bid low. They wait till they get the job. And then they go in. And then the real work starts as to try to get things to where they need to be and to get the money they need to make the job work. And then we wonder why that client puts us back out to bid again or doesn't hire us the next time. So I think it's all communication. When you guys said it's a it's it's the fact of collaborating actually with your clients on these type of systems, it's exactly what it is. What do you need and can I provide it? All right. Uh, Michelle, from a standpoint from both your experience as an integrator, but also as a, as a rep, how do you work with the clients now? In other words, the other integrators to get them to that point. Like Mark said, you know, you're not going in there with the idea of trying to upsell, but you're trying to solve a problem for your clients. Yeah. You know, I, um, I agree with everything that Mark said as usual. Um, and it's not just cause I'm a fangirl. Um, I'll say, well, at first I'd like to start by saying, yes, it is not a frictionless experience to work with an integrator. But with that said, we didn't mean to. You know, like, I don't think people are starting out with nefarious intentions, you know, uh, going back to what somebody said about us being the 5% that understands how everything works and how the room works. Like, so sometimes we just get in our little techie heads and we don't realize that the other 95% isn't where we are, right? We forget that. We get immune to it. So uh, we didn't mean to. Please forgive us. Um, you know, I, it's just got to be the approach of everything works it. What does the customer need from you? And that's what you'll deliver for them. Um, I do think that we're in a unique position now because oftentimes when clients self-deploy and they self-assess a product and they don't engage someone to come in and maybe even help with a product selection or product recommendation set um, or point you in the right direction, that sometimes they will under-deploy, like they don't put in something that really fits the size of the room, the use of the room, et cetera. Um, I think that products like Shure's new software-based DSP provide us an opportunity to add value with an enhanced audio experience to rooms that do require and demand that, right? More than just the throw-down microphone that's USB. Um, and we may that may even help that pendulum that Tony uh, was speaking about earlier switch back where he said everybody was doing PCs and now they're all going to purpose-based. But I think that a product like that will help it do that. Um, but we'll also help the solutions be more easily manageable ultimately by the customer or whoever they hire to help them manage it. All right. I, uh, I saved Mr. Way for last because he is the customer. <laughs> he is, uh, <laughs> well, he, 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 we can have this debate and I used to have it all the time with other tech managers. Yes, you're the customer. You're not the end end customer. I get it, right? You're not the professor using it. But at the end of the day, you are the one signing the check by and large. So Mr. Way, as this pendulum swings back and forth, unless you'd like to disagree with that that assertment, um, how do how do integrators help you, right? With as you're talking with the CTO and you're talking with the CIO and the president, 
you know, getting them to understand that, yeah, we can purchase things off the shelf, but here's why we should, and here's why we shouldn't. Well, I think it's about being able to have uh, have the right solutions. I mean, the best thing that ever happened to, for example, Zoom is a twenty thousand dollars Cisco codec, right? And they put it on an app, and they put it on an app that anyone can download and use, yeah. right? And so, when we're having these conversations about what you're going to do on a large scale, I mean, whether it just be higher ed or if it's going to be, you know, any corporate office, you know, that has multiple locations, you're looking at what's your cost at scale. And I think that's the best way to have these conversations um, and recognize where can you um, connect people. I think the very, you know, the very first AV and the AM question this morning was about remote working, right? Well, so how, you know, can you, you can't go through a $20,000 codec in somebody's house, right? Or if they're out on the road. And as we looked at at USC with the coronavirus pandemic, we're sitting here going, okay, how can we still, you know, teach classes if something were to happen, if people can't get to campus or if they have to be sequestered, you know, what are some options we can do that you can get things into people's hands? So kind of having that, sorry, I know this is a really bad word, but some type of prosumer type of option where you can have both, um, at least, and I mean that only in the sense that it's a pro-level product that you can easily get a, 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 a node in the hands of a user at a low cost. And it's being able to share those solutions because we have to look at these things at scale and easeability. Um, and, that's, and that's what's killing a lot of the traditionals, I think, and where a lot of the newer ones are able to do that. And being able to have all-in-one products that you can come in and say, this is the quality you need and the ease you need. Um, and at a price that you really can afford at scale. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Neto, you have been rather quiet on this one. Uh, so from your standpoint, what is the reality of DIY in this space? I remain quiet because I've been tweeting, dude. You got me. Caught me. <laughs> As the camera zooms in on me, I feel like I just got put on like this spot. Can answer that question. You, you, sir, more than happy to, to answer that question. Well, let's throw it to somebody else. I'm sorry. I was completely not paying Chris, attention. It's we, okay. we, it's have all, we have all chimed in on, on this. Sir. Sure. Yeah, I, even. yeah of, um, of do you think that the do-it-yourself trend for collaboration and, and AV systems is good, is bad, is happening because we complicated it? Is something that's going to stick around? How should the industry react? I know you have an opinion. Of course, I have an opinion on that, but I wasn't paying attention to the question. That you put it that way. So my opinion on this is very simple. We have completely over, over, over engineered, overthought, over processed everything that we've done, uh, even down to the nomenclature on touch panel. Sorry, I know that we have a programmer on here, Steve, but a, a VTC means nothing to anybody outside of our industry. Uh, you know. Uh, a mute far end, far end, near end. That had, nobody understands what that is. Uh, for 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 many years, that was standard nomenclature on a touch panel, and I, it was not coming on my punch list. It wouldn't appear on my punch list because it made sense to me. So when an AV guy is is doing QC on a on an install, that just goes by, and then you wonder why they don't know what what they're doing or how it's complicated, right? If you put a touch panel in the room, you were supposed to be putting a touch panel in the room in order to alleviate having a thousand remotes and making it simple, but the one button press was the holy grail for many years. We talked about that. You want a one button press, everything turns on magically and went on. Um, I still don't know if that's even 
humanly possible to have a one button press do everything solution. When I, when I was working for, uh, I'll want you to continue, but just a quick funny story. When I was working for Bloomberg mm -hmm. years and years ago, Mike Bloomberg specifically described for me on a piece of paper, the perfect control interface for any system. He drew two buttons and I'll draw oh, that picture okay. another time of what those two buttons look like. But he said, I want this button to read my mind and do what I'm thinking. And I want to press this button to make both buttons go away until it knows I need them again. Interesting. We're almost there. We're not there yet. <laughs> oh, well, well, never mind. <laughs> so you 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 have uh, it's unfortunately it's it's our it's our mindset it's our ego it's our you name it uh, we are as much to blame for the shift as anything else uh, and the tools have gotten better right again I'm gonna now have to date myself man if you would have told me in '98 when I got into this industry that we'd be able to do video conferences on the phone. Well, I asked if we would ever get to that point. They said, no. First, they said we didn't have the cell phone capability to do it. Second, you don't have enough battery life to get you past five minutes. This will never happen. Go home, Chris. This is, you know, you're not going to walk around with car batteries, right? You know, okay. Here we are 20 years later. We got some of these things in place. I think that from a DIY perspective, you know, I spent 13 years on site. I drove Tom nuts. I drove people like Dan Tonuts, right? Because I was that guy who was receiving the product and trying to do, find a better way or cost-saving solutions. Uh, what I'm going to tell you next is a in, inside secret or some corporate interior stuff that you may or may not know outside of this small circle. But to have a wall at a corporate facility uh, backed with plywood, painted, cut for power, installed a pack box, core drilled so I can have a wire path to a table to simply put a simple room. My interior, the interior team that was doing that inside to the corporate facility would send me a bill. It sounds like funny money, but it isn't. The bill would state $20,000. I was $20,000 in a hole just to get that work done. So you think DIY was not gonna happen when my budgets are being cut and we're being told to get creative and how we're gonna do this. My creativity was you get a TV, right? And here's a wireless presenter because that's about the only thing you can get at this point to make this room usable, right? We couldn't even go and have conversations regarding video conferencing because it went off on a tangent that was, oh, we have to do, you know, you have to do a codec. And if you're gonna do a codec, you gotta do this, blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, my simple rooms were 50 to $75,000. That was the cheapest I could do. The, the, the toxic problem, though, and, and I want to keep bringing it back to that part of the conversation, is that when we make it, when we make the barrier to working with a professional too high, people will do the stuff on their own and they'll do it wrong. And that's the thing that scares me most about all of this stuff, is that somebody figured out when video conference rooms were $100,000 to install, even when the codec was, you know, less than that, but you had the internal cost. They said, well, why can't I just go out and buy a webcam and put it on my screen and connect it to my PC or my Mac, and we've got video conferencing? And the guy did that, and he got slapped on the back, and everybody said, good job, great way to save money, terrific. But nobody looked at it on the other side. Mm -hmm. Nobody looked at what the image that webcam was making. Nobody saw if it was in a room with six people where it might be okay, or if it was in a room with 50 people and it was completely inappropriate. Without bringing in an expert, 
to say, yes, that one's good in that circumstance, but no, that one isn't in that one. People are making silly mistakes. That's why I think it's crazy that some companies are introducing the only way they do business with them is you order our stuff online. How can you possibly go to a website, order a camera video conferencing system, have it delivered and be 100% assured that it's in the right room? You know, people aren't going to read the part that says this is only good for 15 feet. You know, believe me, I'm collecting all the documents and all the PowerPoints for, for collaboration week happening this week. The email said I needed it last Wednesday. Nobody's reading anything. Nobody reads past the first sentence. But David, we have now gotten to a point right now in the industry, right, where 10 years ago, if I would have asked you, what about USB components for AV? You would have told me, don't do drugs, kid because it's not going to happen. Nobody would take USB seriously, right? And here we are. We are now living it and we're dealing with it. It's a very simple plug and play. How integrators are answering this is it, it, it's a mind shift. And we've talked about this for to, to exhaustion. It's, a, it's how they're doing business, right? So businesses have to get smarter in how they do things. I, I know I've had after hours conversations with Mark Coxon regarding SEAL team development of guys that just do nothing but huddle rooms. And how you make money in huddle rooms is you get your processes down to it to the minute, to the second. You're ordering, you're delivering certain amount of, of, of connectors and cables and all that. And it's coming pre-packed. You're in and out of there in 45 minutes. If you do it in, in and out in 45 minutes, two guys can do it. And that's your goal. And you want to constantly refine that to make it quicker. You're going to make money on the service because it's replaced the hanging vents. Right. So what makes fast food companies? What, why did why is there fast food? Right. Because you couldn't go to a restaurant. So what do they do to develop systems? You go to a I mean, I hate to use the example because I'm from Jersey and I don't like this, but you go to a Domino's. Domino's has it to the to the degree of, of, of weight measures. Right. So you're ordering a pizza at Domino's. It's coming as a kit. You're boop, 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 putting it together. You're in and out of there. And now they're guaranteeing a 30 minute delivery or faster. That's where AV companies has got to get down to, yeah, right? But, if you want to turn the profit. I don't want to be the, the guy that's catering the annual meeting from Domino's. I don't want to be the guy that's, that's, um, that whose job it is to, to, to cut bricks uh, with Ginsu knives that I ordered online. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the guy who thought that the do-it-yourself kit which was perfectly fine for my small job, since it's perfectly fine for my small job, is now perfectly fine for my big job when I don't have the expertise but to know that, the difference between the small but job that's and the, the big fear. job. That's the fear that integrators and people in our industry have is that you put a box together and you send it to somebody and they'll use that same box for every solution, including an auditorium. Exactly. All right. And, that, and that's... And, that happened because of how much we were charging and how complicated we were making things. And this is the pendulum swinging. The products are there. I want to bring in something that Graham. Uh, is getting better. I think we're going to move to, to, you know, integrators and manufacturers alike are starting to see that you can't put an all-in-one for everything. But that's where you start to see multiple kits with multiple products. Different. We are adding science to the all-in-one system, which is what, what we do best. Right? Throw distances, acoustics, and all that. We're taking that into consideration. See, I told really. you you had something to say. Stop. See, <laughs> all right, I want to bring in something that Graham uh, wrote here on, on our chat. In my experience, <laughs> this is Graham Kirkpatrick. In my experience, the value in delivery of any product project is delivered before the purchase order. I've worked with incredibly technical guys and gals who, when in front of a client, have zero ability to get the, to get the client on side with why is this. 
the SIs and customers in times gone by are the very reason why DIY rooms and solutions become possible. Mr. Coxon, is, is Mr. Uh, Fitzpatrick right? He's 100% right. Um, we, we end up in these situations where we come into a consultant bid and we think it's us versus the consultant, that the consultant's trying to value engineer and the consultant's out of touch and hasn't been in the market for five years and doesn't know how what it takes. And we're begrudgingly taking a job that we thought we should have design built. Um, we're coming into a customer and we're completely on defense that they mentioned something from Amazon or they mentioned something that they have somewhere else or they mentioned something... And we feel like we are at this in this place where it's our job to fight for our spot in the room, right? And when you start in this kind of, I guess, contentious relationship, you don't start with a, with a I guess, a spirit of alignment, right? Our job is to fulfill or to help them fulfill what they're trying to accomplish. And we do, we very much go into the room kind of, I guess, with a chip on our shoulder and that doesn't help us align with the customer, right? It just doesn't. And so I think Graham is Graham is 100% right. And I think, you know, going back to what Chris and David and everybody's saying on this, this idea of good enough or box solutions or SWAT teams or all of these things, I mean, we're looking at, we're looking out in the world and we're hearing about, you know, the deterioration of retail per se, right? And in a way that, that consumerization, um, it hits retail first because retail doesn't have a big service component to it. But then it does start to hit, hit service as well because people start to sell things online and then they start to attach small services to it. We see Amazon, you can attach, hang a TV to a television, right? Um, that starts coming our way too. And everybody agrees that if retail was more interactive, if retail was more of an educational experience, if retail was more of a community and a building that we could turn retail around in a lot of ways, it gives people a reason to go to the store. Why aren't we as integrators looking at that? Because I think, you know, the, the biggest successes I've ever had with customers is when we make an investment without a design fee, without, without uh, some type of contract upfront in mocking up, doing demos, visiting different sites, really taking the customer on an education tour without talking about numbers, without talking about things we want to sell just going through the process of looking at how other people have solved these problems and ways that they can do it and how they actually look in real, in real life. Those are great. I mean, you know, not to bring up, you know, like Joe and I, we, we had a, a very casual meeting where he had some users who just wanted to see cameras. I don't have a contract to do anything at USC. I'm not even on their preferred AV vendor list right now, but we went out, we sat there for a couple hours. We brought, Vadios, Huddle Station, Huddle Shot. We brought the Yamaha soundbar. We brought the Crestron version. We sat there with the end users. We looked at different viewable angles. We listened to audio. We pushed people outside the room. We had them call in and listen from different mics and different things. It's just something we need to do as an industry to partner with people to help educate. And guess what? If I never do any business there, I'm not, I don't begrudge that meeting. It was a great meeting. We educated people. We had fun. That's my job as an AV person. And guess what? It'll come around. We'll get our part of it. You know, it's that's what we need to do if we want to keep our spot. Because going back to clinging to some like exclusive dealership of a product that you make 60 points on isn't going to save you anymore. It just isn't. So we have to reverse that mindset. And and I really think live playtesting, we're doing some work with another university. We we spent a year 
mocking up active learning classrooms for them. A year, four or five, six different times. We found one, guess what? We're, we're $500,000 deep into a, a few million dollars worth of work there at this point. Took a year. Dude, yeah. Mark, I have to interrupt, but you are an integrator doing that. The, the only time we've ever heard that happening before, publicly speaking, would be consultants working on something like that. You never heard an integrator spending a year mocking up anything. So that's, there is the key to what you just said. If you're spending that time doing that, that's kudos, well, man. That's, you, that, well, that's, you have to think too. I mean, I'm coming, I'm coming from a business who works in a larger design community. When you're selling, when you're selling $40 million worth of furniture to a company that's moving into, you know, a big campus, there are test fits and there are mock-ups and you look at finishes and you do all this stuff in order to gain business. It's something that you have to build into your business model and be comfortable with knowing that these are the things that it's going to take if you want to be successful in this world. And that may mean that the first 90 days, the first year, the first two years aren't great. And I happen to work for a CEO, which I think is awesome. And I don't know that this is why I think the mega mergers hurt us in a lot of ways, but I work for a CEO who looks at things in three-year windows. He looks at something and says, in three years, will this investment yield some dividends? And when you can look at things like that, then you can make decisions that are client-centric. But when you're looking at what's my stock report going to look like in 90 days, you don't exactly have a lot of the leeway to do some of this stuff. And so as we see more and more and more consolidation on the high side, great. That gives people global footprint. There are people that are going to want that. They don't need the extended service. They don't need the mock-up. They just want somebody to show up in 400 locations and install TVs. Great. That's not me anyway. But for all of us on the lower end of this, there are real opportunities to invest in a business model that serves clients. And if we can do that, we win. Not even just- So if I, if I jump on that as the consultant side, as you referenced, you're 100% right. And I would tell you, the majority of our business right now is doing exactly that for clients. And it sounds like a plug, but they bring us in to go, look, we've got this platform, this platform, this platform, blah, blah. Help us figure out which one's right for us, not which one the CEO happened to go to a dinner with a guy and that sort of thing. And that's why I have so much freaking video gear just in my home office because the amount of valuations of technology I do across the board. And like I said in the chat, guys, it, it's not so much the endpoint anymore as it's getting in on the platform first. If you help them deploy a platform and adopt the platform, the rooms will come. The equipment will come. But you can't just go in saying, hey, I'm going to build you this really cool room. I, I just had a client last week who brought us in who said, hey, we spent $250,000 on this boardroom. Nobody can use it. Nobody knows why we have these things in it. But somebody in facilities signed off in an SOW. You know, that's what we need to look at. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. I would like to thank everybody here uh, that's on this, plus the folks that had that jumped on and jump off of uh, Kevin um, and Jason Ward, uh, as well as the others that, that were in on early, the guys from Barracks, a uh, number of folks from there. Uh, all of you, Mr. Joe Way, Tony, Mark Coxon, Michelle, Steve Greenblatt, uh, and the guys who wrote me into getting up at five o'clock this morning um, and turning on our Zoom and, and getting in the studio. So, Mr. Danto and Mr. Neto, thank you guys, and we'll let you guys take it away from here. First, sir. Me first. All right. Well, um, uh, I appreciate being involved, of course, with uh, AV and the AM as I have every week. Thank you guys for an interest in the collaboration meeting that um, the IMCC is doing. Let me just take two seconds.
um, to thank the sponsors of Collaboration Week. Um, and I'm doing these in the order of their sponsorship. Intel is our platinum sponsor. We want to thank our gold sponsors, event sponsors that are Barco, Crestron, Mersive, Exit, Planar, Poly, Shure, Shenmue, Samuki, Viopta, Yorktel, and Zoom, and our participating sponsors, which is Aver, AVISPL, Computetics, um, Sennheiser Headsets, which is just rebranded re as EPOS, EPOS, interesting to know, um, Legrand, Omnivex, QSC, Synergy Sky, and finally, and most importantly, Tom and the team here at Varex that hosted us today. Um, we have some great people that are going to bring you some great content. As I said, Sound of Communications is going to record all of it all week. If you want to find anything more about it, if you're in the New York area, it's collaborationweekny.org. Um, and Tim and Chris, thanks very much. I, I always love being a part of this. Anything we do for our community is special, and I, I'm always happy to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, thanks for, for, for helping and for getting all this getting this idea going. We don't do many uh, AV and AM live. So to do this for two years in a row, and, and obviously I've, I've done digital signage week a little differently with the guys out there. And I, you know, to see how we can, you know, take the community and make it more, more active is great. Uh, I'm hoping to do more and we'll see. Let's see how B4 goes and how the people uh, take to that as well. Uh, I personally would like to thank, um, you know, Polly for, for giving us a camera. I know that, uh, uh, David brought the camera, but at least uh, Varick's got a pretty good demo of how it can work without uh, somebody running a camera for one. Well, I got a PO for you. Yes. <laughs> Tom, Tom's on his, Tom's on his uh, fax machine right now, sending in a PO. It's great. <laughs> I'll say fax. Hand-delivered. I said fax. I, he just typed it up on his typewriter, his brother typewriter. Anyway, uh, I just want to say thank you all, and especially to everybody who's here who got up early. Uh, Michelle, who send me weird messages saying, please, if I'm going to go shower, please tell me what time I need to be on. I appreciate your candid candor on that. And thank you for joining and uh, for, for picking out the fact that we could use more people on our shows. Uh, thank you, Tony, for dropping in. Uh, Mark, uh, Kevin, the guys from AV Jam, everybody. Ooh, Zoom. Zoom, I mean, Zoom for, Zoom for, for what they do and helping us with this. Uh, Tom and, and, and the barracks crew for giving us access into here. I promise you we didn't break anything. I, at least from what I could tell, that's okay. Cause Tim's on the other side of video. So nothing is broken. Wow. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. Uh, thank you all. Uh, without you guys on the community side, there is nothing. Uh, there is no AV in the AM. So I'm very well, very well aware of that. Uh, I also have to thank Starin who gave me a cool laptop to come out here and do what I do. And they're also, you know, kind of a, a part of what I do. So I, I appreciate the ability to do that. And I appreciate the fact that they are, uh, you know, uh, in it with me and that they allow me to do this kind of stuff because, you know, some companies get weird. Uh, outside of that, thank you to all the people in the webcam uh, chat. Uh, I'm trying to keep up with uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, web zoom in our chat, zoom chat and Yahoo and Google. EIEIO. Exactly. Thank you, John Green and everybody that's out there. I appreciate all that. Tim, I hand it back to you. If there's anything or anybody want to say some final words, that's up to that. And you, can follow. And you, you missed, you missed the Yahoo groups uh, chat that we had going on. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Since we, Hey, you know what? We mentioned ICQ. We mentioned GeoCities. I might as well throw that one in there as well. Um, uh, also, uh, for those of you who are interested and are going to the big ginormous trade trade show that is called Infocom uh, in June, if you get there a couple days early, you can hang out with uh, everybody here. Um, it happens before uh, everything else. So on the Monday before, 
Infocom, which I believe is June 15th. If you go to tinyurl.com forward slash AVB for party, uh, you can sign up. We're asking folks to um, kick in basically their tip. Uh, I think it's like $20, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Mr. Danto. Um, we've got some sponsors already. We're, we're one of the sponsors, uh, IMCCA guys over at AV Jam. Uh, so it's it's a grassroots effort. Uh, we're trying to get the community to come together uh, right before uh, we all go crazy for, for three or four days uh, in Vegas uh, for Infocom. So check that right out. Right now, there are about 12 people registered for the party. And sure. uh, that's all we need to do. Then, boy, that's going to be a lot of food and drink for 12 it's people. It's going to be a lot of food and drink. So we, we, we're, we've got a number in mind, and the number is just shy of uh, three digits. So uh, get moving, folks. Right, yeah, yeah, go sign up. Um, for us here at AV Nation, um, thank you guys for, for inviting me, for joining us. Uh, this has been fantastic. Uh, got to meet a couple of people that I've met. Tony, I've never met you before, so th thank you. Appreciate that. Um, got to hang out with Michelle for a little bit uh, in, in, at ISC, as well as the guys at AV Jam, and Mr. Greenblatt. Uh, so thank you. Um, and, uh, everybody else, I'll actually got to run around with, with Mr. Way as well. Uh, and got to see Mr. Actually, I'll hopefully get to see Mr. Cox in a couple weeks uh, in California. So uh, I guess that is all for us here at AV Nation. Uh, if you'd like to get, find out more about us uh, and follow along as we head to some of the shows that we talked about, including DSC. Uh, I mentioned the fact that, that I'll be in California in a couple weeks at, at Almo E4. That's another industry event. Uh, I'll be all, all four of those. You can buy our website, avnation.tv. You'll find stuff like this two weekly programs, one that looks at the news of, of the commercial AV market, one that looks at the residential uh, AV market and all sorts of other stuff. So all that and more at avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks for hanging out with us for the last four and a half, almost five hours. So thank you all so much. Have a great day.